Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Sorry about the noise. My neighbour's sanding his deck. My motto? Don't work on your deck. Play on it. Life's good with a Trex deck. Low maintenance with a 25-year residential warranty. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Chemist Warehouse is the home of La Roche-Posay Effaclar. Now starting from just twenty-one nineteen, save 20%. And Kogan Mobile, New Zealand's cheapest unlimited prepay plans. Visit koganmobile.co.nz. This is Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. Tofano, no, my honey, my welcome, welcome, welcome into the show. This is SENZ and the Matariki Breakfast with Daniel McCarty. Not your standard feed of Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Sorry about that. Rather, a, a morning with McCarty. Sounds tasty, right? Daniel McCarty with you alongside my running mate and producer, Mr. Ben Francis. Good morning to you, sir. This morning, we will take you through till 10 a.m. Marathon, seizing. Can I go back to the, the buffet breakfast? Is, is that kosher? Uh, I'm going to. Very special day here in New Zealand. The first time Aotearoa celebrating Matariki with a national holiday. With the twinkling of the Matariki star cluster in our winter skies, it uh, signals the Māori New Year and the appearance of uh, Matariki heralds a time of remembrance, joy and also peace. It's a time for our communities to come together and celebrate, and I certainly hope you get to do that with your loved ones. I hope today it is rather peaceful and full of happiness for you and your whānau. And through to 10am here on SENZ, we can come together as a bit of a sporting community to share our own thoughts on sport, this beautiful thing. And you can do that by calling 0800 150 811 or texting 8833. We would love to hear your voice and get your contribution throughout uh, the duration of the show. The lines are open right this very moment, so go on, jump on board. Uh, but at this time, as we embrace Matariki, we can also do that through remembrance, honouring those we have lost since the last rising of Matariki. And unfortunately, the world of sport, including here in New Zealand, has been left reeling at times. The huge names who have passed on over the past 12 months. 
some taken far too soon. So it is appropriate today to, to take a bit of a breath and continue to remember fondly those who have left us and given us so much as uh, sports fans. We should also celebrate the present. And as far as sport goes in this day and age of no real entry points or, or, or nothing stopping us uh, following foreign leagues and competitions, teams or individuals, the, the tyranny of distance we often suffer through here in New Zealand has been shattered. Never have we been able to follow as many high-class sports from around the globe and we certainly try to do that here on SENZ. And lastly, with Matariki in mind, we can also look to the future. And with those pillars, uh, we will endeavour to do our own remembering on the show, uh, celebrating the present too and looking to the future and the promises of a new year. And from the off, uh, with the future in mind, our Matariki-inspired question of the day for you out there listening in SENZ land, I want to look to the future. Part three of those uh, key pillars, the future. And I want you to tell me, who are the future stars of New Zealand sport? Who are the athletes, the teams, the coaches on the cusp of breakout performances who in a few years you are certain will be the best in their field and who are our next generation of stars and might even be just household names. They might also be a great sporting secret right now. So it's a good chance for for you to pump the tyres of uh, an athlete, a team, uh, on the cusp of something special. I want to know our future stars in New Zealand sport. You can do that by picking up the phone and give us a, giving us a call on 0800 150 811 or text double eight double three. Ben Francis, good morning to you, sir. Hope you are doing well. Happy Matariki to you. I'm not too sure um, because I've given you no time to think about this. If you've got a future star, if you want to get the ball rolling, no, you, you've uh, you've really thrown me under the bus there, mate. It's a good question. It's, it's a very a good, good question. question. Is, do they are they have to be like current athletes, or like can you give me a bit more context around like what answer I could give here? Oh, you, you're grappling with this. Just just someone who has not peaked, but will be a household name. Maybe uh, will be competing with the very best in their discipline around the globe. Something like that. You, you might have you might have uncovered a future darts uh, superstar. Um, in your time, Ben, that we need to know about. But it's, a, it's an opportunity to, to talk about the future, what lies ahead um, and uh, what stars uh, we can uh, look forward to, to, to maybe watching uh, for years to come. Well, if you're wanting a dart star, I'd say definitely the man to keep an eye out for is uh, Ben Robb. But my, my kind of go-to when I kind of hear something similar to this is I think Joe Bell from the All Whites. Big future ahead for him? I, I think so. He, I, he looks a player. He looks a real player, you know, he? He's kind of working his way up the ranks and no doubt he'll be playing amongst the best of them in a very short time. So there you go. There's your question. Our Matariki-inspired question of the day, our future stars. Who do we need to know about? Go on. You, you, can, you can act as your own propaganda minister for uh, your niche sport if it is. Um, maybe a, a more widespread sport. A great opportunity for you to join the show and let us know on 0800 150 811 or text double eight double three. As far as what is coming up on this show, what you can expect today, well, a huge couple of weeks ahead for Rugby League, that's certain, with the Kiwis returning to play in front of their fans for the first time in what seems like an age. The CEO of New Zealand Rugby League, Mr Greg Peters, is going to join us. Well, after 9 o'clock, uh, we will catch up with Sky Sports presenter, one of my very faves, Goran Paladin, will also offer his expertise across all the big rep games this weekend and the prospects. Also, now it's confirmed that the Warriors will play in front of a sold-out stadium.
uh, July 3rd, I think it is, when they return to New Zealand in the NRL. What an occasion that is going to be. We will also chat our National Basketball League. Justin Nelson, I think, called a game last night. He's a regular with Smithy on a Friday. Uh, we'll catch up with him because we do roll into the 10 o'clock hour, of course, here today. Uh, we also head to the U.S. ahead of the NBA draft as teenagers become instant millionaires. I love that event. Uh, we also look at the Stanley Cup uh, finals, uh, ice hockey, that is. Uh, we remember the mighty All-Whites of 1982. Yeah, one of our Matariki themes. Because roughly about this time 40 years ago, okay, give or take one or two hours, Give or take a few hours either side. Uh, but roughly 40 years ago, uh, the All Whites were finishing their 1982 Football World Cup campaign uh, and their last game against the most famous name in all of football, you would argue, that of Brazil. Uh, we'll play you um, a, a little snippet of an interview we did, or I did, uh, alongside Grant Elliott on the Saturday session a couple of weeks ago with Ricky Herbert talking about the defining qualities of that, that side in 1982. Of course, Ricky Herbert played in that side, and then went on to coach New Zealand in 2010. So we'll do some remembering with our All-Whites later in the show. We will also hear from Brendan McCullum talking about his first few weeks in the hot seat as head coach of England and their Test Cricket side. Uh, And it is cricket where we start. We will cover off the first day of the third Test between New Zealand and England with SENZ commentator Nagesh Rugani, who is part of our commentary team. He is standing by. We will take a short break. Uh, you are with uh, Matariki Breakfast Show here on SENZ with myself, Daniel McCarty, and Ben Francis. We want you to play a big part. But put your feet up. We'll take a break. And on the other side, we'll review the first day of the third test between New Zealand and England from Headingley in Leeds with uh, our man, uh, Nagesh Rugani, who will join us straight after the break. It's eight and a half minutes. No, as he no, today, it is our Matariki Breakfast with myself, Daniel McCarty, and Ben Francis. Great to have your company. Right now, at 13 minutes after six, we talk international cricket test match cricket as New Zealand has ended day one of the third cricket test against England at Headingley in Leeds. At 225 for the loss of five, Daryl Mitchell, what a summer in England he is having. 78 not out, Tom Blundell. 45 not out, continuing his fine form also. Uh, the scenario of day one, New Zealand opted to bat after winning the toss, lost a wicket in the first over and three before lunch. England claimed two more in the middle session as New Zealand crawled to 125, sorry, 123-45 at the second interval. England going well at that stage, but crucially did not review a tight LBW decision against Daryl Mitchell when he was on eight and come the end of the day, Mitchell and Bundle have... Amassed another 100-run stand. I think that's their third successive 100-plus stand for the series. Once again, a big t- talking point revealed itself with the naming of the New Zealand side at the toss. Michael Bracewell named as a frontline spinner. Boy, you couldn't have got you couldn't have got me to say that six months ago. Uh, he will bat at number eight. Rather interesting. You generally don't look at your number eight for runs in Test cricket. It's generally with the ball first and foremost, where they uh, need to make an impact. It's a big challenge for Bracewell, who has all of 30 first-class wickets. Uh, at least New Zealand named Neil Wagner. That will calm Twitter down for 24 hours at least, after he was, um, in my opinion, inexplicably left out of both uh, the uh, two tests for which New Zealand lost. Uh, while New Zealand were bolstered by the return of Kane Williamson, it was hard work for the New Zealand top order. Latham, no score. Young, 20. Williamson, 31. Conway, 26. And Nichols, 19. There you go. There's the anatomy of the day. Let's get some analysis, and we're utterly thrilled to welcome into the uh, program, the third is Dulcet Tones, uh, on our coverage here on SENZ. It is Nikesh Rugani who joins us after a long, arduous day. Good morning, good evening to you, Nikesh. Thanks so much uh, for joining us here on the show. 
Uh, how was my summation of the day's play? Yeah, I think you've summed it up pretty well. Uh, good afternoon, uh, good evening, uh, whatever time it is, wherever you're listening, everybody, good morning uh, over in New Zealand. Yeah, it's, it's been a, a long day, but uh, in the end, I think uh, New Zealand got out of jail, as you mentioned. They're 123 for five, and once again, these two to the rescue, Daryl Mitchell and Tom Blundell, they've done it time and time again on this tour, haven't they, for, for the Black Caps, whenever the top order has failed, and it's been quite regularly in this series, they have stepped up and delivered, and uh, England will. England felt it felt like they were meandering along towards the end of the day in that evening session and late on in the afternoon session as well. The game was just passing them by, and Ben Stokes. To really talk about his um, attitude as a captain and this new brand of cricket that he and Baz McCullum have brought to this England side, I tell you what, if Joe Root was still captain. Uh, Twitter and all forms of social media would be laying into his captaincy for not being proactive enough. And I think Stokes uh, has to take some blame for, for the way that uh, England perhaps let New Zealand back into the game. Uh, that's not to say that Daryl Mitchell and Tom Blundell don't take any credit for what they did. Absolutely fabulous partnership once more. Um, but yeah, some strange decisions with Joe Root coming in for a prolonged spell with the ball bowling in tandem with uh, Jack Leach when conditions were, were perfectly suited to see him bowling. Why did Stokes not bowl himself? That's another yep. big question. Perhaps, uh, you know, he might have picked up a niggle from the previous test. Um, but, yeah, I think England will feel that they've let New Zealand off the hook after that. Well, as you've mentioned, New Zealand have struggled in their top order throughout this series. And, and no bigger example than Tom Latham, who has all of 45 runs this series. And, and of course, uh, dismissed early again. You know, I... I, I how should we reflect on this series? Just one one of those poor runner forms? Has he been exposed? It's you know, I'd love to get your sort of uh, expert opinion because he is yeah, a crucial player for New Zealand who is not really fronted. That's right, yeah. I mean, absolutely crucial player. He's been a wonderful player over many years uh, in the Black Cap. Um, it's just not happened, has it? And we, we've seen that with touring sides in England uh, quite a bit. It doesn't matter who you are, whether you're Virat Kohli in 2014 or whether you're Tom Latham here in 2022. It can happen to the best players in the world. The ball is swinging around. It's slightly different conditions. Even to New Zealand, yes, people say it sort of swings around in New Zealand. Yes, it does, but slightly different uh, pitches, slightly different uh, you know, types of bowlers that England possess in this attack. And it's just been disciplined bowling from England, that sort of fourth, fifth, sixth-stump line outside that off-stump and just getting him to fish away, away from his body. Maybe maybe it's a technical thing, maybe it's a mental thing, maybe he's too eager to get bat on ball when he should be leaving things alone. And we've seen that not just from him, but a few of the New Zealanders throughout the series. Uh, we saw it with Conway again today, getting that inside edge, just playing well away from his body. Balls you don't need to be playing at. So a little bit to do with discipline, um, but as I say, it can happen to the best players in the world. Virat Kohli uh, famously in 2014 was a victim of that and then uh, sort of went away and worked on a couple of little technical things, but it was more of a mental thing, really, and then came back uh, on the next tour of England and did fabulously well. So Tom Latham, certainly, uh, you know, nothing, uh, you know, we're not going to criticise his class and, and what he's done for New Zealand over the years. I don't think he's been exposed as such. It's just one of those things, a slight mm. technical thing, maybe a slight mental thing, a combination of those two things. Uh, he will be back for sure, but it's, it's happened to a few of the guys, is not it, this tour?
Yeah, Nagesh Rugani, who's been part of our commentary team here with us here on uh, the SENZ Matariki Breakfast with myself, Daniel McCarty. Lots of starts in that top order. Conway, uh, Williamson, Young Wall be frustrated. Um, I think, though, Henry Nichols probably the most frustrated of the top five. <laughs> Can you please paint the picture of how this man was dismissed? Because um, it's, it's downright funny. It's weird. Um, it's strange. Yeah. He probably didn't see the funny side of it. But, you know, explain to the, those listeners right now how exactly uh, he fell victim to Jack Leach. Well, uh, we, our commentary position is, is quite high up. We're on the fourth level. Of the, the, if you've seen the pictures on TV, it's that spaceship kind of green-looking building opposite the rugby stand side of the ground, uh, just just above the pavilion. And it, it might not sound a lot, four stories, but they are big stories, and we are quite high up there. We've got a good line sort of behind the bowler from one end, um, so we are quite well-positioned in that respect, but we are quite a, far away from the action. It's almost like being at the MCG or something, so I'm just <laughs> glad that I was on air for that, and uh, me and Craig McMillan, um, both actually spotted it as it happened, which kind of shocked us that we, we saw almost as if it was happening in slow motion. Uh, so basically, Jack Leach comes into bowl to Henry Nichols. Nichols plays a wonderful shot. He dances down the track, looks to smash him back towards the sight screen. It's uh, going at about sort of chest, maybe stomach height, somewhere in between that. And it's going towards the umpire or sort of between the umpire and the non-striker, which is Daryl Mitchell. Mitchell tries to avoid the ball even more, leaves his bat out there, and Daryl Mitchell is batting so well at the moment that he middles it. He doesn't cut <laughs> the edge of his bat, he middles it. And it almost takes the pace, actually, off the ball, but completely changes the direction. And it just lobs up into the hands of Alex Lees at mid-on, the easiest catch he will ever take. And it was, it was actually a beautiful shot, that, by Henry Nichols. He was just starting to feel a bit more comfortable. He'd faced 99 deliveries at the crease, uh, only scored 19 in the end. So he was really digging in at a time when New Zealand needed somebody just to stick around a bit. Did a really good job, I feel, and was finally looking to unleash and break the shackles. And uh, you know, what a way to get out. And uh, he's got his partner to thank down at the other end for not getting the bat out of the way in time. Yeah, so caught mid on via the non-striker. You know, just, just your average yeah. day at the office. Just your average day at the office. Uh, Daryl Mitchell, do well, you... Well, it sums up this tour, doesn't it? sums up this tool for the Black Caps, doesn't it? Just, just those little moments of luck, just have them on their way. Yeah, indeed. Daryl Mitchell, though, is making every post a winner. Uh, might actually uh, be usurping Henry Nichols um, in their number five spot when New Zealand get back to a, a fully fit uh, side. And I'm thinking to Gronholm because there is a lack of balance in the side. And I, I don't want you to comment on that. I just want you, to, uh, Nikesh, to, to rather dig into what you have seen from Daryl Mitchell over the series because the number's quite extraordinary. Outstanding, yeah. And, and as we mentioned earlier, he was a little bit lucky early on, that LBW shout, uh, which DRS would have given us out and overturned umpire Mariah Rasmus's decision of not out. But, but that's, you know, partly the umpire's fault, but also England's fault, the bowler's fault, Stokes's fault for, for not reviewing that decision when, when they had reviews left and then they ended up reviewing a really dodgy one uh, late on in the day, where which was clearly not out. So, it's, it's, it's England's fault, really, for, for not taking the most of that. And Daryl Mitchell making that count. Uh, there was a similar incident at Trent Bridge when he got 190 in the previous game where he was dropped on three. But you know what? As a test cricketer, you've, you've got to make these moments count. You, you are going to get things going against you. You're going to get little bits of luck sometimes. And, and when you do get that bit of luck, 
you've got to cash in, and he has cashed in absolutely big time. He, he saved New Zealand's bacon in that first innings, uh, in that second innings rather at Lords, and then first innings at uh, Trent Bridge. Absolutely brilliant, along with Tom Blunder at the other end, and, and that time Blunder was able to get to his century as well. He wasn't even going to play Daryl Mitchell, was he at Lords? He, he, he was almost in the team by default. And uh, now almost undroppable. He's averaging well over 60 in his short test career so far. He's, he's got his 300 so far, two in this series, of course. He, he's on course to make it three in three test matches in this series. He looks assured. He's got a good technique. He's just so calm at the crease. And even when wickets have been falling around him in some of the previous innings that he's played, he has looked on a different planet to everybody else, almost in comparison, I'd say, with how Joe Root has been in this England side over the last 18 months or so. Everybody's failing around him. He just comes to the crease, and there's that sense of calm aura around him, that assured, uh, you know, he's very assured in his technique. He knows exactly what his strengths are, what his weaknesses are, and he doesn't bother with anything too wide of the off stump. But if it's in his arc, if it's short, he'll pull and hook, he'll take it on, he'll play it really well, he'll drive well down the ground as well. He's just been a a delight to watch, and uh, yeah, at the moment, undroppable. Uh, and uh, the listeners out there, if you're wondering, is this some sort of record if Daryl Mitchell makes a, a third consecutive 103 tests? No, Don Bradman, Sir Don Bradman did it six tests in a row, six tests, uh, not to mention two other occasions where he did it four tests in a row to calm the farm. But Daryl Mitchell's been absolutely magnificent for New Zealand. Uh, when I see that Jack Leach has bowled 30 overs on day number one, it was obviously a bat-first wicket, and spin is obviously going to be a, a huge factor. Um, are you at a loss? New Zealand have selected nothing more than a part-timer as their lone spinner? Yeah, we were shocked, actually, when we got the team news through uh, at the toss. It was Everybody was predicting that Ajaz Patel was going to be in the side and then they were going to go in with the two spinners. And, and that, not just because of, of the fact that England have got two spin options and then they want to go light for light, but the, the pitch, the conditions, it was very hot today. I know we had that rain interruption late on in the day, but it started off as an absolute scorcher, a really dry wicket, which is very unusual for Headingley. And um, Craig McMillan, Macca, was, was saying he spoke to some of the players a couple of days out from the test, and they said it was ready to play on then, and that is very unusual. So it's almost like a day two, day three pitch even going in to the first morning of the test. So you were expecting a bit of turn right from day one. And uh, it's unbelievable, isn't it? They play Ajaz Patel at Lords when the conditions just don't suit him at all and uh, doesn't play at Trent Bridge when you know that was another dry wicket they could have done with that different option uh, rather than going in too seam heavy. And then uh, they don't play him here when, when the conditions are perfect and, and England go in with the two spinners. I just can't understand it. None of us really can on the uh, SENZ commentary team uh, as to why that decision has been made. He's clearly a fabulous talent. Uh, we saw what he did in India, taking 10 wickets in an innings, and that was his, his last test match before this series. He bowled a couple of overs at Lord, so that's really his last proper outing in the uh, New Zealand cap. Um, so just really strange decision. I don't know if it's a fear of, of playing a frontline spinner. They've been quite reluctant since the retirement of Daniel Vittori to, to really go in with that spin option uh, as a frontline bowler. They've tended to rely on part-timers wherever possible, and, and that's what they've gone with again with, with Michael Bracewell, who, who did a steady job at Trent Bridge, but he's, he's not going to run through a side. Ajax Patel has got the potential to do so, and uh, if somebody like Jack Leach 
who hasn't really, I, I wouldn't say, got half the talent or half the skill of somebody like an Ajaz Patel. If Jack Leach can bowl as well as he did on day one, creating chances, getting big turn, taking a couple of wickets, Ajaz Patel, particularly bowling fourth, bowling last on this pitch, would have been an absolute nightmare to face. So, uh, yeah, really strange decision and uh, one that England will be very happy with, I'm sure. Nikesh, I'll get you out on this one. What's a competitive first innings total? Well, given the conditions and, and given the pitch, uh, you would initially say you've got to get over 400. You win the toss, you bat first on this, you've got to get over 400. New Zealand are, are quite a way off that at the moment. Um, I'd say given the position they are in, they would be happy with anything 350 plus, and, uh, and that would be a reasonable total, I feel. There are some showers forecast for tomorrow, so you know we might get a bit of cloud cover, a bit of moisture in the air. The ball might swing around for the New Zealand seamers later on. Uh, tomorrow afternoon. So there might be a little bit of help for them. So I think 350 plus, uh, 400 would be ideal, but that seems a long way off at the moment. Uh, but yeah, 350 plus and uh, New Zealand are right in this game. Nikesh, thanks so much for doing overtime and joining us this morning or this evening. Uh, thanks so much. Enjoy the remainder of the series. Keep up the great work. Thanks a lot. Take care. Nikesh Ragani joining us, part of our commentary team, uh, being fronted by Adam Collins, of course. Birthday boy, happy birthday to uh, Jeremy Coney from the other day. I, I don't think I'm allowed to mention the number. It's 70. Oh, I just mentioned the number. Although, um, as Jerry would point out, how's this been, Francis? If Jeremy Coney lived, you know, half of that number, what's that, 35, add that, 105, he'd still be younger than his mother. Passed away at 106. So all going well, Jeremy Coney will be calling cricket on SCNZ for what, another 20-odd years? At least. Sounds young and sprightly. Very happy birthday to one of the very best in the business, uh, Jeremy Coney, uh, from a couple of days ago. Akesh Raghani uh, offering his thoughts. Your thoughts are welcome. The lines are open. 0800 150 That is our number. 0800 150 What is the talking point of day number one? It's got to be Daryl Mitchell. This is Mitchell series, isn't it? Mitchell series, uh, quite incredible. 13, 108, 190, 62 not out. And now looking at another Test match 100. This is a guy who probably has now leapfrogged Henry Nichols. If everyone's fit and available for the next test, he would bat five and Nichols might struggle to make the lineup. Would you agree with that? And Nichols, for, for me... At home, he's been excellent. Seven test match hundreds, excellent. Fabulous uh, record at home. Away from home, alarm bells ringing very loud in my ears. 15 test matches, averages 22 away from home. He's got to find a way to score runs at a comparable rate to what he has done at home. Uh, And Daryl Mitchell, undroppable as Nikesh did point out. Maybe it's selections you want to talk about. On 0800-150-811. Yeah, I, I'm baffled about AJ's Patel um, not getting a start in this match. Second test for that matter. Especially after being played at Lords, where it did look seamer friendly. The most unspinner friendly conditions they played him. Used him for all of two overs. So, Stokes targeted him and taken out of the attack. Not seen again. And New Zealand have a specialist spinner named Bracewell. Hey, we've seen that before. But uh, Michael Bracewell is a part-timer. He's a top-order batsman for Wellington to bowl some part-time spin. So um, I, I've been left baffled by that. I hope Michael Bracewell uh, sh- shoves it up me um, and spins a merry web around the English. I, I really do. But uh, some very interesting selections throughout this tour. Uh, 
hopefully New Zealand can uh, redeem themselves somewhat over the uh, the following four days and actually make this 2-1. Of course, England having wrapped up the series, the three-match series after winning the opening two tests. Your thoughts always welcome. 0800 150 You can text us on double eight double three. We'll play some highlights a little bit later uh, this hour of that uh, opening uh, day's play uh, for those who were uh, deep asleep and uh, missed what was a real grind for the first two sessions for New Zealand after T. England sort of taking their foot off the pedal, allowing New Zealand to, to get some impetus and momentum, uh, free up the scoring rate. I get uh, over three runs and over in that uh, final session, far quicker than the first two. Thanks to once again Daryl Mitchell and Tom Blundell, who's had a, a magnificent series as well. Uh, we will take a break, though. It's 29 minutes away from at 7 o'clock. We'll whip around the sporting world to find out what uh, sporting stories uh, you need to know about. Um, we'll do that after this break. Stay with us. This is SENZ. Daniel McCarty and Ben Francis with you through to 10 a.m. this morning. 24 minutes away from 7 o'clock. You are with the Matariki Breakfast on SENZ with Daniel McCarty and Ben Francis. Our number is 0800 We want to hear from you. Happy Matariki, everyone. G'day, Dave. Good morning to you. Nice, you? bright and early. I'm good. Yeah, uh, a good fight back with Black Caps uh, this morning. Yeah, really good, yeah. And um, you might, uh, next time you get a Richie Maonga, ask him about his racehorse. He plays home to a racehorse called Maonga in Australia. Well, Maonga's um, humming along, isn't it, as um, uh, yeah. a rugby player and a horse, right? I, I, I think, horse, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, Maonga's had a, had a fabulous season. Was it seven wins? Yeah. Yeah, something wins. Yeah, yeah, it's won pretty well the races and um, and and the ex All Black coach Steve Hanson's horse Nature Script been set for big race in October too. He's he's going uh, part of the race horse All Black ex All Black coach. That that's another uh, race horse that uh, didn't he just have some success up in England? Was it Ascot? Yeah. I'm 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 on the yeah. least um you know. Uh, uh, first, as far right. as our host, host are concerned yeah, with regards yeah, but, to the racing world. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but one of the ex um, tra- or the new trainer owns um, Nature's Trip, um, I think, trained the winner over over in Australia. So, all back, so look, they've all got, got success, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Over. Hey, Dave, uh, who's going to win the race for the All Blacks number 10 jersey? Is it going to be Wonga or Barrett? Which horse are you tipping uh, there? But, See what I did? But, but might be Barrett. It's a good, it's a good uh, mix, isn't it? Yeah. That's a great uh, position to be in, having players of that calibre, absolutely. Uh, so, so, Dave, yeah. to your original point about the Black Caps, you, you're happy with how the day has ended. And I don't want to be too emotive on this, but may, maybe you can uh, paint the picture. How how should we feel about this this series? Uh, well, I think uh, they made a lot of, a few mistakes, and uh, they should have, should have never left the Wagner out in the first two tests. They, if he played, he, he gives his heart and soul to the test, test uh, cricket there. Made a made and a, uh, and a proper spinner for you playing on the test. And uh, I think you learn by mistakes. There's something to learn for the next next time that they play England. And uh, and you, you bowl properly. That don't uh, if you, if they make a mistake, take them off straight away. You know. The one day England will, you know, you analyse the English players where where they play, aren't you? Hey, indeed, Dave. Thanks so much for giving us a call. Go okay. enjoy your Matariki. Appreciate your thoughts. Alf number is 0800 You can text us double eight double three at the top of the program. If you're just tuning in, uh, I talked about the key pillars of Matariki, about remembrance, 
about being uh, thankful uh, for what we have and also looking to the future. Um, and it's with that last point. I, I, I threw a question at the top uh, to Ben Francis unfairly with uh, no time for him to think. And, and it is a bit of a difficult one, but it's one you probably have a, a strong connection to with one or two. Uh, I don't really have an answer for it. I, I'm, I'm probably being a lazy talkback host. Crowdsourcing 101. With Matariki, a key pillar, of course, is, is looking to the future. Um, and I want to know, I want to know, who are the future stars of New Zealand sport? With that in mind, as we, as we look to the future, uh, our Matariki-inspired question of the day for you out there in SENZ land, uh, I want you to look to the future, and I want you to tell me who are our future stars of New Zealand sport? Who are they? Are they athletes? Are they teams? Are they a coach on the cusp of a, a breakout performance? Who in a few years, you are pretty certain, will be the best in their field, not only in New Zealand, but will be challenging right around the globe in their chosen sport? Who are our next generation of stars? We, we might not have heard of them at all. You might know them, and this is your chance on 0800 150 Just something out for you to ponder today, and I'd be really keen to get your thoughts uh, on 0800 150 In the interim, as you put your thinking cap on and then pick up the phone and uh, join us, how about we whip over some international sporting uh, news stories out from the last 12 hours or so. Some really fascinating slash disturbing ones. Uh, let's start off with this, Ben Francis. Eight medical personnel are to stand trial accused of criminal negligence in the death of legendary Argentine footballer Diego Maradona. A judge has ordered a culpable homicide trial after a medical panel found Maradona's treatment was rife with, quotation, deficiencies and irregularities. Of course, Maradona died in 2020 in November of, uh, of a heart attack in Buenos Aires, Aged just 60. He had been recovering at home from surgery on a brain blood clot earlier that month. A few days after his death, Argentine prosecutors launched an investigation into the doctors and nurses involved in his care. Last year, the panel of 20 experts appointed uh, to examine his death found Maradona's medical team acted in an inappropriate, deficient and reckless manner. It also concluded that the footballer would have had a better chance of survival with adequate treatment in an appropriate medical facility according to the court ruling. Funny that. Hospitals are safer places, it seems, Ben. Uh, among those uh, facing charges are Maradona's neurosurgeon and personal doctor, uh, Leopold uh, Luque, a psychiatrist, a psychologist, two doctors, two nurses, and their boss. They have all denied responsibility for his death. All eight will be uh, tried on a legal definition of homicide based on negligence committed in the knowledge that it may lead to a person's death, the crime can hold a sentence of 8 to 25 years in prison. American artistic swimmer Anita Alvarez, yes, we're talking artistic swimming here on SENZ, um, was rescued from the bottom of the pool by her coach after fainting at the World Aquatics Championships. The 25-year-old was not breathing and had sunk after completing her routine in the solo free final in Budapest. Her coach, Andrea Fuentes, pulled Alvarez to the surface before she was taken away on a stretcher. A U.S. team, a U.S. swim team uh, later released a statement on Fuentes saying, uh, from Fuentes saying, Alvarez feels good now. How scary would that have been? Uh, we move on. Uh, as NBA teams finalise their draft picks ahead of today's NBA draft, um, Watch bomb time. Uh, the ESPN's uh, highly plugged-in NBA uh, reporter, Adrian Wojnarowski, 
uh, reporting that the top three picks are increasingly firm with Auburn's Jabari, Jabari Smith Jr. going to Orlando Magic at number one. Gonzaga's Chet Holmgren, what a good name that is, to the OKC Thunder at two. And Duke's Paolo Banchero to the Houston Rockets at number three. The six foot ten Smith worked out with the Magic earlier this month and was the consensus uh, betting favourite. Uh, we will head to the United States in about 45 minutes' time, catch up with Kiwi-based uh, Juno, Simon Hampton, to preview that. Look at the Stanley Cups. Uh, the Stanley Cups. A- and also quite a big game of uh, rugby in New York, featuring quite a few big names from yesteryear. Uh, I'd like to know right now, though, from Ben Francis, it's NBA draft day. You're a tall boy. You've got long, flowing locks. What are you rocking as far as a suit? Are you wearing short sleeve collared shirt as you're wearing right now, which is always a no-no? What's wrong with that? Well, everything. That's not, that's not really a good explanation, is it? Well, everything. Yeah, that doesn't really sum anything up. Well, short sleeves, collars. There you go. That's all I need to say. Well, I, I'd, prob- I'd probably rock the James Bond uh, tux. Like I'm, like I'm off to, you know, seem for Casino Royale. It's probably a little bit boring. I would wear a tartan suit. A tartan suit? Yeah. The Scotsman in you coming out proudly. Yeah. Nice. I do like that. I do remember Joachim Noah, the, the former Chicago Bulls centre, um, Yannick Noah's boy. So he was always going to have um, style and flair. He, crushed blue velvet suit. It looked like he was off the, um, off the set of American Pie. That was splendid. So good luck to all uh, those uh, in the NBA draft. And lastly, FIFA has approved bigger squads for the uh, FIFA World Cup in Qatar, deciding to extend football's relaxation of rules and help coaches and players during the COVID-19 pandemic. The move... Uh, we'll see 20 man, 26-man squads. Uh, the move was expected from uh, the FIFA Bureau after 23-player rosters were expanded for recent Continental Championships, adding three players to the typical World Cup roster, follows UEFA doing the same for the European Championship last year. The extra numbers help the coaches of the 32 teams cope with the possible outbreaks of virus cases. And I don't know the fact that they're going to be playing scorching heat. And it'll probably be quite arduous on those uh, players. Uh, there you have it. That's um, some of the biggest stories are from around the globe. It is quarter to seven. This is the Matariki Breakfast on SNZ. My name is Daniel McCarty. Our lines are always open. 0800 I want to know the future sporting stars of New Zealand. Matariki-inspired question for you. Go on. Let me know the names we need to know about. It is 14 away from seven back after. Nine and a half minutes away from seven o'clock. Our number is 0800 You can text us on double eight double three to the temper text machine. Um, and this is where this message has been found. Morena, Morena, Manawatia Matariki Day. Hi, guys. I think you need to ask the hard questions, question mark. Where's Ajaz? Feels like the match fixing, wanting us to lose the desk. Now, ask Brendan if he would be in his starting lineup, just like the All Blacks and in Capitals, this next sentence. Please pick the best players for our country. Come on, New Zealand cricket, support our team. P.S. Go the Kiwis. Cheers from, and I hope I pronounce this correctly, Harlem Shine, a Hopi beach carver. Have a great Matariki day. Really appreciate your thoughts there. You are right about AJ Patel. I asked the question of uh, Nikesh Rugani, part of our uh, SENZ commentary team. Uh, he outlined that they were in state of shock, our SENZ commentary team, when they saw Michael Bracewell uh, named to start ahead of Ajaz Patel. As far as match fixing, it's probably a step too far, but I, I see where you're coming from. I understand your frustration 
I think is fair enough. I don't have an axe to grind in this, but from what I have seen, what I have observed, I do find that we have a captain in Kane Williamson who's unsure how to use spinners, doesn't know how to use them, doesn't feel comfortable using them. I don't know if this is a function of him being a beautiful player of spin or he's just not sure, or maybe he's just a little bit more uh, confident at, at what the seamers can provide. But uh, it is, uh, it's actually a question I'm getting bored of asking and, and discussing. Learn your lessons from mistakes we often hear. Well, New Zealand have been doing this for years, it does seem. It does seem uh, a, a real issue. It does seem a real issue. I, I'm growing a little bit impatient for you to say, uh, if you agree, disagree. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, 0800 150 uh, If you missed what happened overnight in the first cricket test, uh, the f- sorry, the first day of the third cricket test, here are all the highlights you need to know. And that's edged and taken a first slip. That's the first wicket. Latham goes. Broad gets his man. Lovely bit of bowling from round the wicket. Forced Latham to play. Got a good edge on it and it went at very comfortable catching height. Four slips wait. And Young pushes off the back foot. Square of the wicket. It's going to run away to the boundary for four. The first authentic boundary of the day. Williamson faces broad, it's full and driven and beats Smith-off down towards the rope. And he will get a boundary for it, trickling into the sponge now, Williamson. Comes round the wicket here to Young, oh. who's wrapped on the pads immediately. Massive shout for OBW and given! Maria Rasmus raises his finger after a little think there. Leach starting his third over, slipping a short leg, bowling to Conway, dancing and taking him over the top of mid-off. One bounce over the rope for four. Broad bounding in. And is that an edge? I think it might be. Well, Williamson's walking and Stuart Broad's got him. Overton bowls and threw him. Conway chops on. It was Spoley threw his hands at it. Thick inside edge and Jamie Overton has his first test wicket. Wide of the crease, falls to Conway, full up and driven splendidly down the ground. That's the shot of the day from Devin Conway. Crunches into the rope beneath us here. This is pulled away, good connection, it should bring four and does. Mitchell pulling the ball firmly out towards the Western Terrace. Ball driven down the ground. Another boundary for the Black Caps, that's a much better shot. Nichols compact, punching down to the rope beneath us in front of the pavilion. And love it in Yorkshire. Leach new over. Over the top goes Mitchell. Bangs it straight into the crowd over long off. There you have it. The highlights of the first of the uh, first day of the third test between New Zealand and England at Headingley. Live coverage right here on SENZ. It will continue later tonight with Adam Collins, Jeremy Coney and the rest of the crew for day number two with New Zealand. Ending day number one at 225 for the loss of five. Winning the toss, deciding to have a bat on a pitch that uh, looked uh, almost a day two, day three type wicket, uh, according to SCNZ commentator Nikesh Rugani, who uh, described that to us about 40 minutes ago. New Zealand, a pretty lame start with Tom Latham's uh, dreadful tour continuing, just 45 runs so far in the series, gone without scoring. Young made 20, Williamson 31, Conway 26, Nichols gone in, in quite amazing circumstances, hitting the ball hard. Uh, back to the onside of the wicket off the spinner leech, and it actually hit the bat of the non-striker, Daryl Mitchell, and then it ballooned out towards uh, mid-on. Uh, the catch was taken. Uh, quite bizarre end uh, as uh, Nichols went for 19, 123 for five. That was the score at T, but the, the final session was all about Daryl Mitchell and Tom Blunder with Mitchell making 78, uh, not out, Sam Blundell 45, not out, 225 for the loss of five at the close of play. For England, broad two for 45 of 17 overs. 
Potts, none for 28 off 20 overs with seven maidens. Overton, one for 41 off 16 overs. Joe Root, seven overs, no maidens, none for 30. Jack Leach, though, left arm finger spinner. Tells you everything you need to know, really, about uh, the conditions. 30 overs, eight maidens, two wickets for 75. So uh, spin-friendly conditions, it does seem. And New Zealand have a part-timer. Go figure. Gee, I hope I'm wrong on that one, Ben. I really do. It is four minutes away from seven o'clock. Lines are open. Continue to join us. This is the Matariki Breakfast. Bang on 7 a.m. Manawatia Matariki Day, everyone. I hope you're enjoying your morning. Welcome into the Matariki Breakfast here on SENZ with Daniel McCarty and Ben Francis. Uh, we are through till 10 a.m. in the last hour. Uh, we reviewed uh, the opening day of the uh, third test between New Zealand and England. We've got a very uh, special interview to play with you. Uh, in just a moment or two with uh, none other than, uh, can we say, we can say former SCNZ breakfast host. He's still with SCNZ, of course, but uh, his, his main objective these days is uh, winning test matches or helping England win test matches in cricket. Of course, uh, Brendan McCullum. He sat down with uh, Adam Collins, who's been leading the charge for our commentary team in the United Kingdom. Uh, 10, 12-minute chats about how he's enjoying the hot seat. How hot is that hot seat? Uh, that is coming up in just a, a moment or two. Adam Collins sitting down with uh, our own Brendan McCullum. Uh, also coming up later this hour, we talked about the NBA draft and the tartan suit that Brendan Francis would wear. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what suits uh, the the actual basketball players who will have their lives changed in a few hours uh, will be wearing. Uh, we'll discuss uh, that, uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs. And some big names of uh, yesteryear in New Zealand rugby are actually uh, in New York playing over this weekend. Um, we're going to be joined by Simon Hampton uh, US-based New Zealand sports Juno uh, on the show later this hour. And also Justin Nelson will stop by to look at our National Basketball League. Our Matariki themes of today, of uh, course, uh, will be prevalent throughout the uh, program. Today really is a day of remembrance, of also celebrating the present and also looking to the future. Uh, the first part of that, remembrance, well, uh, around about this time, 40 years ago exactly, New Zealand were wrapping up their first ever appearance of the 1982 FIFA World Cup by playing Brazil four goals to nil. I think Zico scoring that fabulous uh, sort of, was it a complete over here? It was more of a side scissor kick. I hope I've described that accurately. A wonderful goal that was. Uh, a splendid uh, um, effort for New Zealand just to get to Spain in 1982. One man who was uh, right in the midst of that. And also 2010, Ricky Herbert will... Uh, hear from him his thoughts on, on what were the defining qualities of that uh, uh, group as uh, do a bit of uh, remembering on the program. But we want to look to the future this morning here on SCNZ. Uh, our Matariki Inspire question for you. Uh, and it's not an easy one. It's not an easy one, fair to say. But uh, I, I'm going to repeat myself because I, I, I really want to know this. I want to learn today. Um, with the future of mine, our Matariki Inspire question for you today out there in SCNZ land. I want you to look to the future, and I want you to tell me who are our sporting stars of the future in New Zealand Spart. Who are the names that aren't really household names right now that will certainly be in years to come? Who will you go to bat for? Who are you utterly sure of uh, is going to be a, a bright, beaming star uh, in the future? Might be uh, an individual athlete, a team, coach, whatever. Uh, you can uh, let us know who's on the cusp of a breakout performance. Who in the years to come? will be maybe the best in their field, not only in New Zealand, but maybe globally. I want to know our next gen, our next gen of stars uh, here on SCNZ. Go on, let us know. Inform me, please, on 0800 150 811, or you can text us on double eight double three. Brendan McCullum, uh, we loved him. 
until about two weeks ago, didn't we, Ben? We just like him now. I think we're out of love. I think we're in like with Brendan McCullum. Are we, are, we, are we in the friend zone? We're out of love now, aren't we? Because, unfortunately, uh, his England have won the series against New Zealand. I'm clearly being tongue-in-cheek. Uh, relax. Uh, but Brendan McCullum on the eve of this uh, final test had a good chat with uh, our commentator here at SCNC, Mr Adam Collins, about um, a whirlwind few weeks as a new English head coach. Well, here in Leeds, welcome back to SCNZ, Brendan McCullum. It's, uh, I was pondering that of all the things that you've changed in your life most recently, perhaps the most acute would be not waking up early for breakfast radio. Yeah, that's right. It's a blessing in disguise, really. It's just starting to get used to uh, the life of being a, a radio or breakfast radio host, getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning and into the studio at 4.30, but funny how things work out. And, uh, yeah, very grateful for the opportunity that I've got at the moment. Um, but I'm sure at some stage, hopefully, we'll get back to the to the old world as well. Well, you know what it's like in SENZ world. A big part of our uh, lives is audience interaction. So I've got a few questions coming in from what we've got on the text uh, and uh, and from what you've experienced the last couple of weeks in the England job. There was huge interest when you seemingly emerged from nowhere. Did you detect that, uh, that people were kind of slightly shocked that, oh, actually, Brendan McCullum, what a great fit, didn't expect him? Uh, look, to be honest, I didn't read a great deal of it. Um, for me, it was, it was very much go through the process of the decision um, once, once I'd kind of gone through the whole uh, process of applying and, and the interviews, etc. And then when they offered me the job, I was, I was kind of like, well, it's, it's real now. Um, so I just had to make sure that it was the right fit for, uh, for, for myself and, and our family and our situation. And look, the challenge is a big one, um, no doubt. A uh, couple of weeks in the job, I... I've got to say that the gamble was was worth it so far um, because the guys have been so receptive to what we've um, what we've asked them to do, and feel very fortunate to be in a position where uh, this team was ready for change and the type of change that hopefully I can bring in alongside the skipper and and Ben Stokes. I think it's quite a nice fit. Did anything clinch it when you were going through your deliberations of yeah, I actually want to do this? Yeah, look, I'm I'm a guy who likes quite a meaty kind of challenge, and to me, if you're going to change your life for something, then you want it to to have enough of uh, enough of a risk involved to mm. to want to make it all worthwhile. Um, where England sit current, well, where they sat when take over the job at the start was was ready for change and, and needing change. And look, I've, I'm a huge fan of Test cricket. I think Test cricket's in a situation where it, um, needs England to be strong um, to really not just sustain but also to thrive and, and that's the job at hand it's somewhat fanciful to think that, that that you're able to do that but if you don't think you can then you wouldn't take the job on and, and, uh, and that's certainly what's in front of us. Yeah it felt like a big challenge I mean they were flat as attack through the Australian summer and over in the Caribbean you could detect that watching them play was that part of it too sort of I, I suppose there are some similarities to the New Zealand team you took over back in 2013 a fairly low ebb and seeing a, a similarity uh, to, or a similar opportunity here yeah that's right I think you know when when someone when a team or organization is ready for change then you've got the ability to to make significant change and make it quickly because you can bring in some pretty simple methods for me it's not about adding stuff it's about taking things away mm. I like to try and uh, take as much pressure and stress off guys as possible and allow them to quieten their minds and go out there and do what they love doing, which is playing cricket and, and representing their country. And um, you know, I think that's my skill set. Um, I can be incredibly belligerent when it comes to sticking to, to that kind of message and that, that brief as well, and I think that resonates with players too. So you're yeah, very fortunate. These guys have been fantastic so far, not just 
uh, great fellas, but there's some serious talent in their dressing room as well. And hopefully over the next little while, we'll see it continue to develop and, and continue to, to get better and perform on the big stage. It was probably no prouder black cap than you through your playing career. Did that feed into it? Or was there any response from the New Zealand cricketing community uh, that was uh, a fraction on the caustic side? Uh, look, I'm sure there was um, to a degree. And... I think first and foremost, I am incredibly patriotic as well. I yep. gave sort of 15 years of my life to to the black cap and I, I feel as if I left it in a better position than I found it. Um, I've got a lot of uh, lifelong friends in that dressing room that we've been playing against and guys who have also represented that side before. And, um, you know, the, it was somewhat difficult, at the, but at the same time, you know, you've got a holistic view of where this game needs to go. Mm. And, um, and I'm still very much there for those guys when they need an opportunity as well as a mentor, as a friend. Um, but my job is to ensure that England are at the top of the tree when it comes to Test cricket, and, and that means that you've got to be competitive against New Zealand as well, and, and I'm sure that they've learned some lessons in this series which uh, they'll, they'll look to try and improve on. Um, and, and, you know, hopefully... Uh, Hopefully my involvement has had some sort of positive impact on this series also. Speaking of mentors, as a coach, who do you look to as people you can draw inspiration from? I've got a couple of guys. Obviously, there's lots of people that I've had the opportunity to um, cross paths with over the years who have left uh, lasting impressions on on you um, as not just a a player and and a captain, but also now as a coach. But I've got to say, um, Stephen Fleming to me is a a tremendous mentor. He's one of my my best friends and, and... and a great mentor and he's an incredible cricketing mind and uh, and I often bounce a lot of stuff off him. Uh, Ricky Ponting, when we get the opportunity to catch up yep. as well, very like-minded people and um, he's got, again, a, a wonderful cricketing mind and obviously the late um, Shane Warne was someone who I think we shared a pretty similar philosophy in terms of the simplistic nature of, of how cricket should be played and wanting to ensure guys have fun while they're here. Going into that dressing room at Nottingham, a tea break, day five, eight or nine days ago, Ben Folks who's an interesting character as well, how you've brought him through in the last few weeks. But he described it as a William Wallace-style speech, <laughs> which made them believe it didn't matter if they lost. So I was really interested in that quote. You, you gave them the belief that if you go out there and have a crack here and you don't succeed, that you'll be at peace with that. Can you talk us through that philosophy? Yeah, look, I don't want to go too much into kind of what we what we see because that's very much sure. sacred in the, in the dressing room. <laughs> but... Um, I was echoing the, the sentiments of the skipper, really. His messaging yep. has been incredibly powerful and, and simple in, in trying to remove the fear of failure. And in the end, uh, we've played some really good cricket throughout the series. We're lucky in the, in, at times that things have gone our way. Um, but there's moments in test matches, there's moments in series, there's moments in careers where you've got to be strong enough to stick to what the plan was initially. And just because there's more at risk... Uh, there's more on the table, um, you shouldn't walk away from that. And, and that was very much the message is to go out there and try and win, lads. That's what we're here for. We've yep. done well. Even if we get beat, we've played a good game of cricket. If someone's able to stand up to us and beat us when we throw everything at them, then you've got to be content with that. And that was very much the messaging. And look, the guys, they've, they've been fantastic. I couldn't have asked for a, a more receptive dressing room um, than, than what we've had in the last two test matches. And put a lot of that down to the skipper, actually. Um, I think he's... Uh, his way and his methods are very much aligned to mine um, and so when your messaging is from both angles, your, ca- your coach and your captain, I think it, 
it uh, is able to resonate a lot more often um, and, uh, and with a lot of authenticity um, which is able to permeate right throughout the group so that was a, a little snapshot of what was said it's not always going to work when you get beat at some point as well trying to play the same method mm. but that's what's going to give us our greatest chance to ensure that England is competitive and, and England is, is able to be at the top of the tree in Test Cricket which ultimately will allow Test Cricket to hopefully um, continue to thrive. A lot's been made of that leadership axis of McCullum and Stokes and how you uh, have a lot of similar energy about the way you see the game and thus why the dressing room might have been more receptive to it, having the two of you there. There's a lot of made around leadership duos around the world too, isn't there, in, mm. in Test cricket about a coach and a captain and the relationship there. I mean, you and Stokes, do you feel that, that, that he is the perfect captain for you as coach? Yeah, absolutely, and perfect timing as well, to be fair. Um, I think where Stokes is at in his career, where he's at and his aspirations as a leader and, and where he sees this team where it needs to go and what it, what it requires um, aligns beautifully to his personality and, and also and to mine. And you know, I think we, the danger probably was that we would be too similar, um, but I think both of us have got such motivation to try and improve the side that we give and we take in areas that we need to and we try and... Um, ensure that we surround ourselves with some leaders within the group as well, both on the field and also you know, around your support staff and, and the like, who are able to maybe fill in some of the gaps where we may not be as strong as well. So understanding that we're not the perfect products either, mm. but I think being able to bounce off each other and to also push each other towards the danger as well, because sometimes even you have doubts, you know, and if you've, but if you're able to have that filtering system between both the captain and the coach and to remain on task with what we're trying to achieve and the direction that we want to go, then I think it gives you a more... It gives you a better chance of ensuring that there's consistency with that message. You said before that you think world cricket requires a strong England test team. And I suppose related to that, you've got an opportunity here to make test cricket more attractive more broadly. Do you sense that, that as coach and between you and Ben, you can do a lot of good for, for world cricket, test cricket specifically? Yeah, absolutely. And look, I know it sounds pretty lofty to say that that's what your ambitions are at the outset, but I don't see a problem with that. I think test cricket needs it. I think the game's been around for 100 years and it's been amazing. Um, but society's different now. Society it wants things more instant. It wants things... Uh, quicker and test cricket maybe isn't as significant in some countries as it once was so for us it's a matter of trying to ensure that test cricket is still sexy and, and people want to watch it and and for that to happen I genuinely believe England with the, the history of, um, of of the game here and, and, and also the support base that it has throughout this country as well and, and where it also sits at, at the table of big players in international cricket if England is strong, then Test cricket's got a real chance of, of striving and uh, of thriving and, and being successful, and, and that's what's in front of us. And to do that, you've got to play an attractive brand of Test cricket, and you've got to be prepared to lose sometimes to be able to try and play that style and, and to win Test matches and to to win not just fans which are already there, but to also encourage new fans to come watch us play Test cricket. Yeah, because I mean, cricket in England's got a reputation as being careful, cautious, conservative. What you're doing is something quite different to that you're going to have to take the public on that journey with you too you've got the dressing room but there's a, a bigger picture at play as well yeah absolutely uh, that's what the responsibility and you've got to be very careful you don't try and uh, coerce people into your way of thinking you've got to do it with authenticity you've yep. got to go out there and try and play and let your 
your actions speak for the words that you've you've said at the outset and, and that's what's in front of us so there's also a lot of planning and preparation which goes into it it's not just an out and out gung-ho approach there's times where we will have to absorb pressure and we've got to be smart enough and intelligent enough to identify those moments and then also act when those moments are at play to be able to stay in the game before you can start to transfer pressure on opposition sides so there's, you've got to be a little careful around some of your messaging there, yep. um, that it's not just a, a cavalier type of approach. When the time comes when the pressure's on and the game's in the balance, we will be prepared to be positive and to take those positive options and and hopefully more times than not that will result in success. As was the case here in Leeds back in 2015 at Test Victory, <laughs> you had a, a fairly big hand in good memories returning to Headingley over the last couple of days. Yeah, absolutely. The sun's been shining here as well for three yep. days in a row, which is very rare, they tell me, but... It's, it is. It's, Hittingley's a, a really cool ground and there is some memories there. That was one of my favourite series to play in, actually. Um, the one-all draw. Obviously, Stokes' performance at, <laughs> at Lords and, and a game which I was incredibly proud of the New Zealand team. We scored 700 runs and took 20 wickets and we got beaten. That happens sometimes, but what a spectacle it was. We came here needing to win the second game. We threw caution to the win to achieve it. I think we scored at four and a half and over. Uh, we forced the game, we, we forced the situation and we were able to be successful. But it was a great series to be a part of and, and Leeds certainly played its part in that. So it's nice to be back here, albeit in, uh, in the different balcony. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, Brendan McCullum, great to have you back on SENZ. Congratulations on what you've achieved already in the England job and, and best of luck for the week ahead. That was Brendan McCullum speaking with Adam Collins on the eve of this third test between New Zealand and England. Of course, day number one now in the book uh, with New Zealand reaching 225 for the loss of five wickets at Stumps. Brendan McCullum outlining the lofty goals he has set uh, his team um, as he wants to see England uh, restored near the top, if not the top, as uh, the strongest uh, test cricket side. Test cricket needs a strong England, according to Brendan McCullum. Uh, and they want to show that test cricket is still sexy. That is a quote, a direct quote. Sort of Rude Hullet-like with his sexy football line. His cricket is still sexy. Well, that's what he wants to see. Uh, England were, were humming along through the first couple of sessions. They took their foot off uh, the gas, I thought, in the third as uh, Mitchell and, and Blundell um, did a fine job for New Zealand continuing their, their brilliant series. I, I'd love to know what percentage of runs they have scored for New Zealand. Is it, it'd be over half, wouldn't it? Which is kind of mad if you think about it. Two guys getting half the runs in a series. It would have to be right up there. Those two have been uh, quite brilliant. But, but England were humming along uh, as they picked up a fifth wicket just on tee. We, we've got to play this club. It's quite an extraordinary dismissal. Here's Henry Nichols on 19, not out. Here comes Leach. He's down the track this time and oh. driving. And it's... Oh! oh that's no. come off the bat of Daryl Mitchell. And has gone straight into the hands of mid-off. That was destined for four down the ground. It was a lovely-looking shot there from Henry Nichols. What a freak dismissal. Yeah, what a freak dismissal indeed. Uh, hitting the ball um, uppishly, of course, for the onside of the wicket, into the vicinity of the non-striker, who tries to get out of the way, but just left his bat out, hits the bat, and the ball balloons to mid-on, and he's caught. A freakish dismissal. Unlucky. Ben Francis, I want to know the unluckiest thing that has happened to our listeners on a sporting field. I need to know. I need to know from those listening to SCNZ this morning on either 8833, you can text us to the Temper Post, but I, I, I sense they need to call and explain themselves. I'd like to know if you've got an unlucky moment um, in your sporting life. Uh, 0800 150 811. Uh, do let us know. Ben, have you had a slice of um, luck like that go against you? 
You no. make your own luck. Nah, you make your own luck, don't <laughs> no, you? No, well, nothing springs to mind off the, straight away off the top of my head, although I do not have a big catalogue of sporting uh, sporting moments to pick from from my illustrious career. I think, I think you're doing yourself a disservice there. Yeah. Oh, stop it. Uh, so, uh, you weekend warriors out there, um, I want you to paint the picture of uh, the moment of luck going right against you. Uh, love to hear your own stories. We like to do that on the Saturday session as well. Our number's 0800 150 Is it Brad? Hello, Brad. G'day, Brad. You want to talk the cricket? Yeah, morning. Um, obviously, you didn't see a lot because I've just woken up. But no, that's right. Look, I'm, I'm just disappointed at Tommy Latham, you know. He, the, the bloke goes so well in New Zealand. He's got 1,200. But they're all against subcontinent teams, yep. you know. He's got a couple against Pakistan, three against Bangladesh, four against Sri Lanka, two Zimbabwe. You know, he doesn't have Facts. any runs against the against the top sides, and he certainly doesn't have any runs away from New Zealand. So, you know, he's a subcontinent bully at home, and it's just been disappointing to see him not take that step up to the next level. And as far as the captaincy goes, Kane and him. God, do you think that if we had Shane Warne in our team, we'd just give him a couple of token overs before lunch and, and just bowl him when the pressure's off? We never attack with a spinner, let alone play we're, one. We're not even playing a spinner. We're, we're playing a part-time no, know, spinner as a specialist spinner, which put, which just baffles me. But we put him in at Lords, and then we hardly played the bloke. And then we just dropped him straight away. He never even got a run in New Zealand after he got 10 wickets. But it's just disappointing. We don't have four world-class seamers. It's, that's just a fact. So why we're not using a bloke when his confidence was up to, to spin, I'll, I'll never know. But the, the selections on this tour have just been wrong. The bowling mix mm-hmm. has, been, has been shocking. And I just don't think that the, the top order have performed at all. Uh, you know, Kane's a story in himself, but we've relied on, on basically Daryl Mitchell. Henry Nichols, he only seems to ever score runs at about the time that I think he should be dropped. And then, whoa, he gets 100. And then no, he, he's another one who's got a very strong record at home, uh, 700s at home. Mm. Uh, and I pointed this out earlier when we were speaking uh, to Nikesh Rugani from SCNZ in the commentary team, that away from home in 15 tests, he's averaging 22. Uh, that's, that's alarm bells. That's alarm bells. And you're right about Latham. You know, it, he's done ever so well at home against opposition where you'd expect him to do well. He does need to take that last step. I'm not saying he can't, Brad, and I'm not saying you chuck him out. But he needs to find a way against those bigger sides, whether it's Australia, England, South Africa, and the like, away from home, to, to be more consistent and prolific, doesn't he? And we've and unfortunately, we've never really had depth around a partner for him, and we're only just finding that yep. now. But, but we're still tinkering around with our top four. Um, when, you know, with the likes of Will Young and Conway, they haven't really established positions with the likes of, of Ross, you know, leaving the side. But, you know, to be fair to Tom, he's got a great cricketing brain on him but we'd just like to see him stand up when he needs to against some of these bigger sides. Because we're on the slide, boys. That's the hard thing. You know, you're oh, a yeah, yeah. supporter and a, and a Warriors supporter. She's pretty tough time. You know? <laughs> hey, Brad, Brad <laughs> succinct, straight to the point. Great call. Thanks so much for calling in. Call again. I uh, would love to chat to you again. Thanks so much. Our number is 0800 Anthony writes via uh, the temper text machine. Hi, Daniel. How is Patel not playing? Question mark. Is he short of bowling work or injured? Seems bizarre to us. Cheers, Anthony. Seems bizarre to me. I, I think the career of AJ's Patel has been quite bizarre. Um, fantastic at times. He's 33 years of age. It's not like he's a prospect. It's not like he's a prospect. He should be in his prime right now, but yeah. on it goes.
And as I said to Ben a little bit earlier, I'm, I'm getting a bit frustrated and bored of it, actually. I, I'm getting a little bit bored of it. It seems like fraternity of talking about spinners in the New Zealand lineup. Anyway, we'll take a short break. We'll head to New York. Call it. We're going to New York after the break in Simon Hampton. 28 minutes after 7. Matariki, everybody. This is the Matariki Breakfast with Daniel McCarty, Ben Francis alongside. We are live through to 10 a.m. Lots to get through. We want to hear from you too, whether it's uh, the temper uh, text machine or via the phone on 0800 The lines are always open. We encourage you to join in on the action. I'll repeat our big question of the day, our Matariki-inspired question of the day for you uh, shortly. But let's head stateside. Let's go to North America. Let's go to New York, I'm assuming. Um, our intrepid reporter joins us from he, of course, Simon Hampton, uh, Kiwi-based, or sorry, New US-based Kiwi Sports Juno. Uh, you can catch him on the 3rd and 5 podcast. Great to have you back on SCNZ, Simon. Do we find you well? We do, Daniel. Yep, great to, great to be back uh, talking with you. And yeah, uh, sitting here in Brooklyn today. So you've got the NBA draft on today, the Stanley Cup playoffs. You've got some rugby we're going to talk about as well. But uh, I'm sure the NBA draft, wearing suits, and teenagers becoming instant millionaires, probably grabbing most of the headlines stateside. Yeah, it's the big uh, talking point today, happening uh, about 10 minutes uh, from my house down at the Barclays Centre in Brooklyn tonight, uh, the NBA draft. And the NBA as a whole is sort of, um, you know, sitting with this news about Kyrie Irving and whether he'll uh, be on the move uh, from Brooklyn this off-season. That's obviously um, teams are sort of aware of that and, and potentially um, getting ready to make a move for him, potentially if he becomes available. But, yeah, the draft is... It's pretty exciting stuff. It, it sounds like from uh, the ESPN reporter, Adrian Wojnarowski, he's usually pretty on the money, that the top three draft selections are, are pretty much set in stone. Jabari Smith going to Orlando, Chet Holmgren going to the Oklahoma City Thunder, and, and Paolo Banquero going to the Houston Rockets. So those uh, look pretty set. But I think the interesting uh, thing for the draft tonight that's going to be watching out for Portland with their, their seventh pick. I think Portland are, are going to be pretty aggressive this offseason if they try and build a contender around Damian Lillard. We've already seen them trade for uh, Jeremy Grant from the Detroit Pistons. And I think uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they see that seventh round pick tonight as, as something that's more valuable to them in a trade for someone that can help them next season versus someone uh, who's a bit younger and would help them look down the line. So I think Portland will definitely be a team to watch tonight. Well, people dream on draft picks, don't they? Um, not only fans, but also uh, back-of-office staff. Are there any generational talents in this? Uh, any of those top three likely to change your franchise overnight? I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, you never know. I mean, you know, there's all sorts of stories of, you know, elite players. Giannis went, went down in the 15th overall, I think, when he got picked by Milwaukee. But I don't think there's a Zion or a LeBron or, or someone like that coming through that, that's just clearly going to be a, a superstar and not going to take too long. I think these top three picks are all pretty, they were pretty clearly the, the top three draft favorites. Um, but I, I, I'm, I'm not entirely convinced they're, they're going to be, you know, uh, the, the, the blue chip prospects that, that we talk about that are, that are, that are locked into uh, to turn one of these teams around. You painted a wonderful picture last time I spoke to you about uh, ahead of the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl parties. Are the NBA draft parties in the, U- uh, in the US that you've invited yourself to? You're good at that. No, no, it doesn't quite have the same thing. <laughs> uh, it doesn't, 
believe it or not, the uh, yeah, watching um, you know, yeah, a bunch of nineteen-year-olds in suits get called up and and watching Adam Silver um, announce you know who's on the clock is not quite uh, bring about the same level of excitement <laughs> yeah. as a Super Bowl party, but but I'm, but I'm sure people will still be very interested in, in, in watching on uh, tonight for sure. Yeah, but but you you've hinted at the biggest stories. It's then what's next with some of the stars like Kyrie Irving. That 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 is a massive piece, and where he goes will be fascinating. His story is um a colourful one over the last twelve months with uh, the Nets. Yeah, it's been frustrating to to be a Brooklyn Nets fan and uh, and and follow this team because it feels like there's just been problem after problem with Kyrie Irving. And when he's on the court, he's a brilliant player. We saw him drop 60 points on Orlando um, in the back half of the season when he was back playing for them and, and regularly put up uh, brilliant numbers. But that's when he's on the court. And, and there's been huge problems with getting him on the court. And, and I think the Brooklyn Nets and their Kiwi general manager, Sean Marks, uh, as far as the reporting goes, it sounds like they are starting to play a bit of hardball with Kyrie Irving and, and they're not prepared to offer him one of these long-term supermax contracts because the reliability is just not there and they're looking for something shorter. And, and Kyrie has turned around and said, well, if I'm not going to get a big contract here, then, then perhaps I'm going to look elsewhere. So that's going to be uh, the big story over the next week or two as uh, the NBA off-season uh, kicks into gear. Let's go to ice hockey. Lord Stanley's Cup's up for grabs, of course, with four games into the best of seven series uh, between the two-time champion, the Tampa Bay Lightning, up against the Colorado uh, Colorado Avalanche. Man, this, this this is really tough to pick. Talk about wild swings. Avalanche win game two by seven goals to nil. And then the Lightning bounce back in game three, 6-2. I, I can't pick this one other than it's going to seven games, isn't it, Simon? It just looks like it's written in the stars there. Well, I thought it was, and I thought, I thought for sure Tampa Bay were going to win uh, at home yesterday. Uh, um, down there in Tampa, there was... Uh, complaints from Colorado about the ice down in Florida. Obviously, Florida in June is, is pretty hot, um, <laughs> and so there was, there was concerns that the the ice was um, just melted just enough to to make it a little bit difficult for Colorado to play on. Colorado is always known as, as a really strong offensive team, and Tampa Bay is always known as a very strong defensive team. And um, you know, we saw that with that seven nil win that you mentioned. But yeah, I think these two teams are very evenly matched. Obviously, last night, the game going to overtime, Colorado winning it. I think if Tampa Bay can pull back and win in Colorado in game five and make it 3-2, then I think it's going to seven. But I do fancy the Avalanche yep. to go home with this momentum after an overtime win and seal the series. I know Tampa Bay are two-time defending champions and desperate to, to get a three-peat, but it feels like there's a lot of momentum and a lot of um, energy around this Colorado Avalanche side uh, for them to go out and, and bring this title home. Uh, let's finish off, Simon, by talking uh, rugby in the United States. Uh, for years and years and years, it seems so rugby's desperately tried to get a foothold in that massive market in the United States. It's a big weekend. Uh, take center stage, and center stage is a bit dramatic. It's probably more off Broadway, isn't it? It's more of an off Broadway production. Uh, but Major it's League Rugby is what? Niche. Yeah, it's a little bit more niche, a little bit, uh, a little bit off Broadway. But what a big weekend for, for for footy in the US. Yeah, it's exciting. You know, it's, it, it is an exciting time for US rugby. We've got the, the 2031 Rugby World Cup uh, for men and, and the 2033 Rugby World Cup for women coming coming to America, but. You know, in the the immediate term, you're right. The uh, the Major League Rugby final is taking place at the Red Bull Arena out in, in New Jersey, where the New York Red Bulls Major League Soccer team play, and so that'll be 
Rugby New York taking on the Seattle Sea Wolves, uh, two of the top teams from Major League Rugby this year. A couple of, or three ex-All Blacks actually playing for New York, Nehem Milnescudo, Waisaki Naholo and, and Andy Ellis. So um, a couple of Kiwis to keep an eye on there. Uh, I think this league's, you know, it's 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 tough. You, you touched on the crowded American sports landscape. It's tough for, for a new developing league to, to gain a foothold. But the beautiful thing about America is you don't have to be that big to have a bit of success. And so I think rugby is trying to just find its little, carve out its little niche in America. And they seem to be doing a good job. It sounds like ticket sales are, are reasonably strong for this final and, and they're, they're growing the game nicely and, and obviously attracting a few uh, stars over to uh, over state stateside helps uh, a lot in that. Yeah, I'm not sure if you've had a chance to maybe speak to some of these uh, former uh, All Blacks who are in it. Have you? Are they impressed with the standard? Yeah, well, you, you referenced the uh, podcast, and I'll, I'll take this opportunity to plug it because we had Nehem Milner Scudder on our podcast last night to preview the final, and he was he was glowing about it. He said um, he said. Actually, quite a lot of the players in these squads are guys that just missed out on the NFL and came through college playing football in America and dreamed, dreaming of making the NFL. And when they, they couldn't quite make the NFL, they, they picked up contracts in Major League Rugby. And these guys are enormous. Um, the, the, the way he described it was it would basically make uh, Sonny Bill Williams um, look like skin and bones, basically. So <laughs> that's been kind of eye-opening for him. He's coming up against some uh, pretty big guys. Um, but he's he's been uh, really uh, passionate about it. He's he's enjoyed it. He said that some of the games have felt like Midasin Cup or MPC games back in New Zealand. Um, they played to that standard, and and I think what's really impressed him has been the energy and the appetite to learn and and um, to develop their rugby. A lot of the players, you know, are just eager to talk to guys like Milner Scudder and and Andy Ellis about you know tips and advice and and develop and so. Uh, there does seem to be a real appetite to, to try and uh, improve rugby in America. Yeah, so it's the uh, Seattle Seawolves away from home up against uh, Rugby New York in that one. Uh, Simon, I, I absolutely adore some of the nicknames in that competition. Uh, the New England Free oh, Jacks. Yeah, you need to... I'm not sure what that means. Well, need... I don't know. That's that, that's what I thought people wore to um, a Capitol Hill on January 6th, maybe. Uh, Old Glory DC. That's fantastic. But it's the LA team I'm fascinated go... by. The LA yeah. G- Giltiness? Gilt- it looks like a, G- a martini glass. Is there? Is there? No, is there exactly symbol? That's, that's, so, yep, the LA and the Austin teams, I think they're owned by the same person who may well be involved in the nightclub scene out in <laughs> California. Got and ya. so they're, I think one's the Giltinis and one's the Gildronis or something. So yeah, I'm that's spinning a... off the martini and the Negroni. <laughs> and um, deciding to turn those into a. It's so. brilliant. That is brilliant. Um, the yeah. LA Chiltinas. It's, it's, um, it's up there awesome. with. It's up there with. Um, you know, that's my new love and sport is following that uh, team. That, that's my team for the next uh, next um, well, uh, of version of Major League Rugby. Simon, great to hear your voice, mate. Appreciate your time. Enjoy your weekend and stay safe over there stateside. That is Simon Hampton looking at the NBA draft Stanley Cup uh, playoffs. It's 3-1 Colorado uh, uh, leading the Avalanche. No, uh, the Avalanche leading the Lightning. I'm still tipping Game 7. I I, I just think strange things are still to come in Game 5 and Game 6. And then Major League Rugby, which will feature what? Scudder, Naholo, Alice. Names from the past there. It's it's apt. It's Matariki. Part of Matariki's remembrance, of course.
20 minutes away from eight. We're going to talk uh, our National Basketball League in a short period of time with Justin Nelson up next. A regular on N Smith's Mornings here on SCNZ is Justin Nelson every Friday to talk the National Basketball League. And as we roll into the 10 o'clock hour, we are through to 10 o'clock, by the way, on our Matariki breakfast. Let's talk our National Basketball League, where I think Justin might have had the call last night at the Edgar Centre. Uh, we're not biased here at SCNZ. We like talking the Otago Nuggets, although uh, we don't like the result last night, Justin, as they went down to the Rams in the old Southern Derby. Welcome. Uh, very good morning. Yeah, look, it was a... Interesting game because the Nuggets were out by seven early, but the Rams got going. The Nuggets couldn't land a shot. They did tighten it up down the stretch, got back to about five, I think. A few nervous moments for the Rams, but great start to round nine for Canterbury, who uh, were coming off two straight losses at home. All right. So where does the, where does that leave those respective sides? Well, it's such a tough competition. Like, mm. game to game, there's just no way anyone can predict what's happening in the Cells NBL at the moment. The Rams move to 6-5, and five, and the Nuggets move to 6-5. and five. <laughs> That's how tight it is. It really is tight. It really is, and that's fantastic. Uh, one side who has been uh, near the best, or the best so far as far as record, played 11, have won seven, the Tuatara, up against Nelson Giants. That is next. That is, what, the marquee matchup of the weekend ahead? Yeah, that's coming up tonight, and that'll be a beauty in Auckland. I expect a big crowd for that one, uh, given the holiday today. And uh, Tuatara, the big news there is Chris Johnson has now departed to the US to play in a competition over there. So they are weakened. The Giants are up and about. Jared West leading that team just sublimely at the moment. What a star he is in the competition. I think the Giants go in as favourites. They're playing great basketball. And Nelson right now is buzzing with Giants basketball. They're selling out games, packed stadiums. Everyone's having fun. I think the Giants start favourites tonight. Huge game. Tuatara, seven wins from 11, as I mentioned, but I think only three wins sort of separate first through to eight, just to, to exemplify your point that it is so very tight. But in all honesty, Justin, as far as the path pitch, how many teams still realistically in it? Oh, look, even down to the Saints in ninth, I think the Sharks in 10th will struggle. They definitely need to beat the Rams tomorrow night if they are to get back into it. Of course, it is a final six, so probably nine. The Saints sacked their coach during the week. That's how quickly they need to turn their fortunes around. I mean, the Tuatara are top of the ladder. They've lost their last three games. So nobody's safe. Things can turn on a dime in this competition. Just a couple of weeks ago, the 10th place Jets at the time defeated the top place Tuatara. The Jets, who were struggling, uh, have now won four of their last five. It is such a tight competition and uh, everyone loves it. That's exactly what we want. All right, let's uh, quickly look over the other games. Taranaki up against Manawa 2. We've got Sharks up against the Rams. Saints taking on the, the Bulls. Uh, Hawks Bay up against uh, Nelson. It's a busy weekend for Nelson. Of those games, what should we pay particular attention to? Well, I think there's two. I think they come up on Sunday. I mean, tonight's game is a ripper, but Sunday, Saints and Bulls. Saints led uh, the Bulls last week by 19 early in the game and lost by 17. That led to the coach, Guy Malord, being sacked during the week. 36-point swing. Saints need to respond, and they need to respond in that game if there's any chance. And Hawks and Giants, what a matchup that is. Two of the top teams in the competition. Giants on the double. Hawks at home again, uh, approving 
to be very, very tough on their home floor now. They defeated the Airs by 11 last week. That matchup to finish off round nine uh, could well be the game of the round. Justin, thanks so much, my friend. Have a great weekend. I look forward to hearing uh, you and Kosey on the next episode of Hoops Heads on SCNZ. Take it easy, mate. Hey, good on you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, Justin Nelson joining us on the program. And as I mentioned, uh, fine work uh, in uh, Casey uh, Frank provide us uh, here on SCNZ. Uh, make sure you continue to listen out to Hoop Heads. Yeah, huge weekend. Um, yeah, interesting times with the Wellington Saints moving on from their coach, Guy Malloy, who was our Tall Blacks coach, isn't he? So it's, They can't sack him from the New Zealand job. Uh, the Saints never... Um, I think the chief executive, um, Jordan Mills, said during the week after making that decision, they never die wondering. Uh, that is fair. It is nearly 11 minutes away from 8 o'clock back after this. I'm not going to strut like it's a Saturday morning. It's not the Saturday session time. That's from 10 a.m. tomorrow. You're with the Matariki Breakfast here on SCNZ. My name is Daniel McCarty in for Izzy and Kempe. Uh Ben Francis is alongside me. We take you through till 10 o'clock hour. Theme of the day, Matariki, inspired, of course, is the twinkling of the Matariki stars this time of the year. Signals the Māori New Year. Uh, also, the appearance of Matariki heralds a time of remembrance, joy of what we have right now, and, of course, uh, peace and optimism for the future. Key tenants, what, remembrance, celebrating the present and looking to the future. That last point, looking to the future, my question for the audience, and I tell you what, you're disappointing me. You're disappointing me because I wanted to learn something today. I want to know who the next big stars of New Zealand sport are. I want you to just make your nomination. Please explain it. Pick up the phone, 0800 150 811. You can send a message to the temper, post, sorry, temper text line if you want on double eight double three. But I want to know who are the stars of the future? Who are you confident will become not only uh, a big name in New Zealand but maybe globally so? would love to, to get some uh, insight into to, to those uh, athletes that you've got uh, high hopes for as we look to the future. That's uh, certainly what we're uh, all part of uh, today uh, as we celebra- celebrate Matariki for the first time as a nation. Hope you uh, enjoy your day. Hopefully it does bring you peace and joy uh, throughout uh, alongside your loved ones. Uh, so we'll roll that on in the next hour. We'll, we'll do some remembering too, Ben Francis. Um, almost 40 years ago to the minute, probably a few hours ago, probably a few hours ago, but almost 40 years uh, to the hour, uh, the All Whites finished their 1982 World Cup campaign with a 4-0 defeat to Brazil, the biggest name in all of football, right? Uh, incredible journey it was getting to the 82 World Cup. Ricky Herbert to talk about, uh, you know, what were the, the, what made that team so special. We'll play some uh, clips uh, from Ricky Herbert in the next hour. But, but for those who remember that ride, who even possibly went to the World Cup in 1982. I'd love you to open up your memory bank and, and share some stories of that side. 40 years ago, almost to the minute, they were leaving the field after uh, taking on Brazil. Love to get your thoughts on uh, what that side meant to you, um, what stood out, some of the great characters, the great moments, and especially if you went to the World Cup in Spain in 82. I want to hear some stories. Let us know. 0800 Also took plenty of rugby league in the next hour, Greg Peters. 8am you are with SENZ Daniel McCarty in for Izzy and Kempe today Hope you're doing well Hope you're enjoying your Matariki morning The first time this nation uh, Aotearoa celebrates Matariki as a national holiday Hope you have a great day So uh, Daniel and Ben Francis with you Through to 10am as uh, we fill in for Izzy and Kempe in the first hour of uh, what would have been Ian Smith's show. I think Mark Watson is joining you after 10 o'clock. I'm sure Mark will be keen to take your calls, as I am too, on 0800 150 811. You can send your messages to the temper 
uh, text machine double eight double three. If you're just tuning in, we've covered off a lot in the last uh, couple of hours. A rewind. We've looked at our National Basketball League, went to the United States, covered off a variety of sports there, uh, including the uh, Major League Rugby final that's on this weekend. I'm all about Major League Rugby now, uh, uh, Ben Francis, based on nicknames. Yep, that's how superficial and stupid I can be. Um, I'm all about the LA Giltinis. It's a it's a sporting team named after a cocktail. That you had me at hook line and see hook line and sinker. They had me the Giltinis. I'm all about the LA Giltinis, and there's some magnificent names. Matt Gateau represents them. Ben Francis. How could I? Uh, how could I not want to support them? And the magnificently named Justice Sears Duru. Justice, of course, spout with a D. DJ, then the remainder of Justice. Reminds me of a K and Peel skit, that one. Yeah, so the LA Giltinis. Um, you have to pick a side now, Ben Francis. And forever and a day, you'll have to support uh, this new Major League Rugby franchise. Who are you going for, Ben Francis? Well, I'm going to go have a look, and I want to see what other teams are based in the competition. I would have w- thought you'd pick the Utah Warriors. Why, just because of the name Warriors? Yes. But I don't like the Golden State Warriors. No. Okay. So, no, that's a hard no. That's a hard no. That's a hard no. You are a hardened league fan, and Rugby League will take a, a big uh, section of the, the show moving forward, not only this hour, but the next hour. Later this hour, we're going to welcome in the CEO of New Zealand Rugby League, Mr. Greg Peters, ahead of a huge weekend of International Rugby League. Uh, to say he's excited probably would be an understatement. It's got to be a huge relief for, for him after um, his organisation really has uh, battled. A lot of organisations have after the impact of COVID, but um, incredible length of time since the, the New Zealand Rugby League side played uh, in front of their fans um, and up against Tong. How good's that going to be? <laughs> Speaking of fans, how good their fans are. The Tongan fans uh, spread all over the eastern suburbs of Wellington. I have noticed over the last couple of days is uh, the, the passion of the Tongan fans um, is obvious for all. So I can't wait for the Kiwis and I'd say Ma'atonga to take the field on uh, Saturday at Mount Smart. Uh, and then soon after, Ben Francis, 3rd of July, if I'm not mistaken, just over a week away, the Warriors return home to play in front of their home fans. And that is a sellout as well. So a huge shout-out to rugby league fans here in New Zealand who have been starved of actually seeing games in person. There's something special about going to, to live sport now, isn't there? So, Ben, your excitement... Mita, is it off the charts? I know you've been uh, battling poor health, so your energy levels are naturally low, but just at the thought of the Kiwis and your beloved Warriors playing at home, give me your thoughts. I'm very excited, and this is probably the time I reveal that I might not actually be here for your show next Saturday. There we go. Because I'll be at the the captain's run uh, for for the Warriors. So uh, Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're going to leave the Saturday session, the best sporting show, on a Saturday on SCNZ, between 10 and 1, bar none, to go watch practice? Well, uh, hear me out here. So I'm taking... We're not talking about a game. We're talking about practice. Yeah, but... Uh, You're going to go watch practice. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be my be a little fanboy. I'm going to go meet meet all the players and, you know, get a few autographs, get a few photos and, uh, you know, be, be, be the uh, little sweet. kid that's inside me. But I'm taking my sister as well, so that's more the reason why I'm going. Fantastic. Uh, no, no. Um, is it a good enough reason, though? It's practice, Ben. We're going to have to call you. We're going to have to call you live at the captain's run, how, right? How is that going to be how okay? Many, how many Saturday sessions have I missed, Daniel, and how many have Zero. you missed? Zero. 
Um, I've missed two. Yeah. Not working. Yeah. I've missed more um, because I've, I've com- commented the old cricket game, but only two, I think. You're zero, right? This is the first weekend you will not be here. And someone rudely bursts into the studio and starts talking to him. Sam. Sam Hewitt, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. But, but going, back, going back to my point, I haven't, I haven't missed one. So I think it's nearly been a year. No. I think, I think I'm, I'm allowed to miss one. No, not without being ribbed for it. That's what we do on the Saturday <laughs> session. And we'll have to give you a call. Uh, so like, like Ben Francis is going, that's how exciting he is. And this is what I love about fans. Especially those fans who have been starved off it. So, so the Warriors, let's take them for example. They've sold out. It's confirmed, right? 25,000 fans will be at Mount Smart on July 3rd as they take on the Tigers. So, like Ben Francis, how fizzed are you? Um, it doesn't matter that they're out of form and the results haven't been going their way, right? It, that, that actually doesn't mean anything. You just want to see them again, don't you? So tell me your stories, especially of the lengths you are going to get there, like skipping work. Ben Francis is to go watch practice. That, that's He's going to great lengths there. Uh, impressed. I, I, I am impressed. Um, are, are any out-of-towners making a road trip? Let us know. I want to know the lengths you are going to to not only watch the Warriors, but maybe the Kiwis tomorrow uh, too. Let us know. 0800 150 811 8833. I'm not sure if we've got anyone live at um, the Kiwis uh, captain's run practice. Ben, do you want to go to that too? Should we send you to that? No, because you, you would have done a whole day's work. Our number is 0800-150-811. You can text us on double eight double three. We will take a short break, I do believe. I, I should probably tell you, later this hour, we're going to be uh, joined by uh, Greg Peters about quarter to nine. After nine o'clock, League Heads will continue to look at uh, what's um, on the agenda this weekend. Oh, I can't wait for this. One of my very uh, favourite uh, broadcasters going around, uh, Goran Paladin, is going to join us after nine o'clock. Um, Sky Sports uh, presenter, massive league ahead. He will uh, join us. Uh, but continuing our tenants of uh, Matariki, remembrance. Well, 40 years ago, almost to the hour, we believe, give or take a few hours, uh, New Zealand completed their first ever FIFA World Cup campaign. They went down four goals to nil to Brazil. It was an incredible journey. Uh, we got a, a, a wonderful opportunity, Grant Alley and I, to, to speak to Ricky Herbert as part of our Saturday Session Legends segment. We'll play some clips from Ricky Herbert talking specifically about... Uh, the fabric and fibre of that uh, group that went through that arduous qualifying campaign and then on to Spain. Uh, Ricky Herbert is up next. It's eight after eight. Because there are a singer in music history who's had more cheap, bad impersonators than him. Not many. Everyone's got a bad Eddie uh, impersonation in them and has uh, certainly tried it over the years. Uh, this is a sports radio station. Yes, uh, you are not lost. SCNZ is the name of it. My name is Daniel McCarty. Ben Francis is alongside me. Uh, this is our breakfast program. No, Izzy for Ke- and Kempi for breakfast. My humble apologies. You're going to have to stick with me and, and Ben. Through to 10 a.m., of course, a national holiday. Hope you're enjoying it. Hope you make the most of it. Uh, Mike Watson will be with you after 10 o'clock. Uh, ben and I, Daniel McCarty, through till 10. We're, we're certainly trying to be intertwining some Matariki themes into our program. Uh, one of the key uh, tenants, of course, is looking to the future, seeing what lies ahead, and I've uh, made a call out there. Uh, to all of our listeners, um, if you have a nomination for the next brightest sporting star in New Zealand, I want to know them. Uh, who are the names we will be hearing about in years to come? Uh, get in first, uh, blow trumpet 
of any athlete of any team, go on, uh, this is your opportunity, 0800 150 We've talked about what we're thankful for in sport today, uh, but we've also uh, tried to intertwine a bit of uh, remembrance uh, into our broadcast, and that's where we would like to uh, go right this very moment, because roughly, give or take a few hours, um, discretion advised, our math's involved, but we believe 40 years ago, uh, almost to the hour, uh, the All Whites finished their first FIFA World Cup campaign in 1982. Uh, after losses, what, to Scotland and the USSR, uh, they played the most famous name in all of football, you would argue, international football, that is, uh, as they went down four goals to nil to the likes of Zico and his mates uh, of Brazil. Uh, soak this little bit of old commentary up. Now, Cerezo, Leandro, two men only in the box at the moment. Oh, that is a great goal. What a magnificent goal by Zico. Well, maybe that will open the floodgates, but that was pure skill from Zico. 4-0, it ended Zico with that uh, amazing volley inside the area. Spectacular goal, that was. Uh, scarcely believable stuff, I'm sure, for, you know, largely amateur semi-pro players, the odd pro in that New Zealand uh, side to line up against uh, the mighty Brazil uh, with Zico and his mates. It, it, it was the culmination of an incredible ride in New Zealand sporting history. Uh, and our call went out a little bit earlier to... I'd love to speak to a New Zealand fan who was in Spain at that World Cup. Your thoughts of 1982. You may, you may want to extend that to your thoughts of the incredible run uh, the John Adsid coached outside. Uh, showed in qualifying during, what, 1981 uh, through to 1982 and getting to the World Cup for the very first time. Grant Elliott and myself, uh, my co-host on the Saturday session here on SENZ. A couple of weeks ago, part of our Saturday session legend segment and was able to catch up with one Ricky Herbert. It was on the eve of the All-Whites um, qualifier against uh, Costa Rica, of course. Uh, but we did ask Ricky about, you know, just what made that uh, team in 1982 so very special, for which he was a, a key contributor to. Of course, the All-Whites took New Zealand, the whole country, on a wonderful ride in qualifying for uh, Spain 1982. You were ever-present in all the qualifying games. What was the defining quality of that team? Because, gee, you racked up some miles, some tough opposition, some really, really difficult conditions. What was the defining quality that, that you feel ultimately saw the side through to reaching the World Cup for the first time for New Zealand? Um, yeah, again, like some great questions, guys, because I think it's, you know, it's really pertinent to, to, to back in that era. But, you know, sort of, you know, we talk culture as, 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 a, as a, a word or a term um, quite openly nowadays, but... You know, when you look at a group of guys, and, you know, predominantly there, I would say 95%, if not more, probably Winton Rufa, who came into that squad um, sort of post some of the, the qualifying games, um, were all sort of flying their trade out of New Zealand. And, um, you know, full-time jobs, um, you know, and just putting in the absolute hard yards. And I yeah. think, you know, when you came to a national camp and you came, like, in the most... 100% condition that you could possibly get yourself into because you knew that no matter where you looked around that squad, that everybody was bringing their A game and was bringing, you know, the ultimate sort of preparation and performance that was needed to A, be selected and have the privilege of playing for your country and a team like that. But, you know, just bringing that real aura of, hey, I've done my job and I'm here yeah. and I'm ready. And if I, if I get selected, I know that I can commit myself to this team. So just the depth of it, guys, was just sensational. And I think, 
you know, it's it's difficult when people want to compare, and I don't compare errors because I think it's completely different. You know, if those players back then had what's feasible and what's possible now, then who knows what, what potential they would have reached. But, you know, we should just so hugely celebrate. Yeah, just celebrate what that team did. It was remarkable. It was a stake in the ground. It was a real pioneer side that kind of opened New Zealand public and, and everybody to football on a global stage and on a world stage. And, yeah, I, I, you know, yeah. I, I, I salute those guys. I mean, they're just absolute legends in my mind, all of them. Yeah, absolutely, Ricky. And I, I completely take your point. I think it's hard enough to actually compare the 2022 side to the 2010 side. <laughs> and there's a lot more similarities uh, to, to back then. Grant wants to talk about well, the, la- the last couple of games. Yeah, well, Ricky, I mean, it was 40 years ago. Um, how fresh in your memory are these games? Who's going to hang oh, up now? Yeah, yeah. Look, I think it's um, – thank, thanks for reminding me. It was 40 <laughs> years ago. Um, that, um, but, but I'll tell you what, you know, I'll never forget it. And, um, you know, I think it's just – you know, and, and I think you guys alluded to it at the start, you know, a four-year-old kid growing up in South Auckland to all of a sudden when he's 21 playing in a World Cup. I mean, it was real pinch-the-skin, you know, um, real mind-tingling sort of opportunity. And I think – you know, whilst I'm 61 now, when I'm 65, 75, whatever, I'm lucky enough to live to, it'll be the memories that'll stay with Brilliant. me uh, till, till my last days. And um, not, 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 not only from a game perspective, but just the absolute dedication that a fantastic group of staff and players brought to represent their country in what was incredibly trying, you know, trying times. I mean, travelling and economy class, and mm. you, you kind of like you knew nothing more than getting on that plane and getting there and providing the best possible performance through thick or thin. And, um, you know, that's a real statement for me. Well, you certainly did it against China. You got a 43rd-minute goal there. and there oh, was Herbert a... rising at the far post at Colossus. And there was another goal against um, Saudi Arabia to get the equaliser in the 87th minute. Uh, how fresh in the memory are those goals? Yeah, look, they'll, they'll certainly never disappear because, um, <laughs> and, 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 and I say that with all due respect, guys, because I think, you know, um, again, I did my job. You know what I mean? It was like there was um, superb delivery off the corners. One was a long throw, I think, from um, uh, from Duncan Cole, who's who's unfortunately not with us um, yeah. um, currently, um, and very sad. Um, but you know the timing, you know the quality of the delivery, the movement of the players, just created the space. And I've always said to people, "Jeepers, I just need to do my job. I need to jump here and make sure I make the right contact on the ball because the delivery was absolutely spot on." And I guess I would have been reflecting back 40 years on now if I'd have missed those two opportunities and been incredibly disappointed. So, um, yeah, look, wonderful. I think as a young player to score for your country in, in whatever game. Is, is just you know a hugely proud moment and um, you know certainly two 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 goals that, that gave us a chance through that World Cup campaign. That was an emotional, uh, humble, gracious uh, Ricky Herbert, who we spoke with uh, Grant Elliott and myself, Danny McCarty, part of the Saturday Session Legends segment uh, about uh, their great ride to the World Cup in 1982. Uh, it's extended chat, just a small snippet because uh, today marks well it's almost at the hour uh, by our math, and New Zealand wrapped up a campaign against Brazil at the 1982 World Cup. Um, Parts of our themes today on Matariki, remembrance being a key uh, tenant to uh, Matariki, of course, 
Uh, 40 years on, I'm sure there's many fans out there whose memories are still very strong about that great ride. Uh, if you want to share those, so now is your opportunity. You can always pick up the phone and let us know on 0800 150 811. Uh, especially a call out to, to those Kiwi fans who got to go to Spain. It was quite a remarkable World Cup for a variety of reasons. Of course, New Zealand were there for the very first time. It would be a long time before we would get back. Um, if you've got some sh- stories to tell us about being a fan of that World Cup, and now is your chance. It's 22 and a half minutes after 8 o'clock. Uh, international cricket can't be too far away. We're going to speak to Grant Elliott. We'll have a review of the day's play before 10 o'clock as well with uh, Adam Collins and I think Daniel Norcross. Grant Elliott's going to join us after the break. Uh, we'll get his th- thoughts on it. If you're just tuning in and wondering what happened overnight, New Zealand won the toss, decided to have a bat, lost a wicket in the first over, three before lunch, another two before tea, and were teetering on the edge of disaster, I thought, 123 for the loss of five at tea. But cometh those two wonderful players, Tom Blundell and Daryl Mitchell, with a 45 and 78 not out, another 100 run stand, uh, saving New Zealand's blushes, getting them through to 225 for the loss of five. We'll catch up with Grant Elliott shortly. 27 and a half minutes after 8 o'clock. Never easy when your producer just says, keep on talking. How long? Another hour and 33 minutes? Is he going to keep me waiting that long? Is he going to keep me waiting that long? It's 27 and a half minutes after 8 o'clock. You're listening to SENZ. I don't in any way um, get angry with my co-host, Grant Elliott, on the Saturday session every Saturday. Good morning, Grant Elliott. Good morning, Daniel. How are you? Are you live from the bed still? You're in bed, aren't you? You're still in bed. You're in bed, aren't you? No, I'm not. I, I was up early. I was Okay, I am actually still in bed. <laughs> you lucky no, bastard. You you have to enjoy yourself, don't you? So, no, I was actually, I was at the British High Commission last night. We had a big, big do at the British High Commission, and I met, um, I met Brett from the flight of the Concorde. Are you kidding? Lovely yeah, guy, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, great man, great man. But yeah, it was a good night, and I was, I tried, I spoke to the British High Commission, and I said, listen, you could be a real, um, you know, make a, a big move here. New Zealand are playing England, and I know that it's your function, but, I mean, that TV there, is there any chance we can get the best match <laughs> And I don't, don't think, I don't think she was very impressed, but I tried. I did try. Oh, dipl- diplomacy through sport, Grant, it's, what's, what's, it's what brought nations together over the years. I, I think you were doing a fine thing asking for that. I think yeah, it's fair I enough. Didn't get it over the line, though, so once again, didn't deliver, did I? No, you didn't, but hey, you've got to ask. Shoot for the stars, you may get the moon. You got nothing. Uh, but it was a pretty swanky affair. Did you, did you have to go what, in, in black tie? Was it a black tie event? It was a black tie affair. It was, Daniel. It, it definitely was. But um, we were, there was a group of us checking the scores as well. So we were checking the scores uh, periodically. And, and I don't know about you, but uh, once again, I looked at our team selection. Oh, I, and that's why we wanted to speak to you, Grant. I, I just can't understand. I, I'm sorry. And, and I, I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm bagging Michael Bracewell. It's not his fault he's been picked, but this guy's a batsman who bowls a little bit. Surely. Are, are they serious? He's a frontline spinner? Or are they that worried about the bat and they're just going, okay, we'll, we'll just try and get as many runs as possible? What, what do you think they're thinking? Yeah, I, I actually don't know because, I mean, you, you spoke to me before the second test, and I actually said before the second test, I said, 
I'd definitely be bringing in Patel uh, for Williamson because Williamson was out with COVID. Um, and I'd be playing Wagner. But they they didn't. They brought in Bracewell and they brought in Henry. And, um, yeah, I totally agree with you. I think having a, a batting all-rounder at eight, I just, it doesn't make sense to me. You'd much rather play Patel and the fact that Leach has already bowled 30 overs in day one for England and got two for, you'd have to say that, well, maybe we've got it wrong again because the Trent Bridge, they spoke about the pitch. They said it was green on top, but it was dry underneath. And they decided to play Bracewell. And I, I sort of feel like we, we hedge our bets. We go with the player, and I almost feel like I was one of those players in Test cricket. It was like, oh, we're not too sure what to do. Let's just play an all-rounder. We get the best of both worlds, but we need to get 20 wickets. We need to be aggressive. And I just don't think that our team selection is aggressive. I think our players are aggressive. Um, England are on a roll. There's a lot of belief in their team. And you know that when you believe as a player, um, anything is possible. The fact that they brought on Leach in the first session to get Will Young out, um, you know, that they're confident, England. And it's very difficult to stop a team that's confident. And we almost look like we're searching a bit. Yeah, 30 overs bowled by Jack Leach on the first day. Seven, I think, by route. 37 of the overs bowled on day one via spin. So that tells you everything you really need to know as far as conditions. Uh, New Zealand have uh, braceful. I, I, I've said earlier on the programme, I'm actually getting a little bit bored of this whole Ajaz Patel scenario, the in-out, what do you do with them? It just looks like you've got a captain and coach who really just have no plan with spinners. Or is that too harsh? Yeah, well, I- no, I don't. I don't think it is because I think if you you think back to the the previous spinner it was Mitchell Satner, and I don't think there was a plan with Satner either. And I think he was kind of, you know, that that player that was, oh, let's hedge our bets and go with an all rounder, a spinning all rounder. So he gives a little bit with the bat, and you know, he gives us a little bit with the ball. But AJ tells an out and out spinner. He he's he's not a great batter. So I think that that's what's holding the team back is they scared right. of you know you know taking on Ajaz and having less batting. But I just feel that you know the likes of Saudi Bolt has got the most runs as a number eleven, so maybe in the world um, ever. So maybe he deserves a promotion. In fact, Ajaz had eleven. But play the out and out spinner. He needs to learn to play Test cricket and. In conditions like this, yes, he might not play in New Zealand. We understand that because the wickets are green. And we've got a tried and tested formula that works here. But on these away tests, we have to find a way to get the spinner in the team and play Well, well he played in Birmingham last year, didn't he, in that warm-up to the World Championship. I think he took four wickets for about 80 runs over the course of the test. Got one Joe Root out and Ollie Pope. They went all right in the last test. Yeah, it just seems very odd to me for sure. Daryl Mitchell, though, and Tom Bundle. I haven't crunched the numbers, but but I'm guessing here they've probably scored at least half of New Zealand's runs this series, which is extraordinary. Well, I think that that's a shining light. I mean, you know, normally we look at the scorecard and you see Leighton getting runs, you see Williamson, you see Taylor in there, and obviously Devin Conway's got starts but hasn't really converted them. But Blundell and uh, Mitchell, I mean, Mitchell is having a great time in England, isn't he? And we spoke about it last week, just how important he might be one of the most important players for New Zealand now because he sort of plays in all three formats and you know that's all over the place but every time he's he's gone to the crease he's produced 
think that 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 has helped and maybe covered over the cracks of the New Zealand team just a little bit. But you know, in good teams, people stand up, and this is a good team. Like we have to remember, maybe we haven't got our selection right, but it's still a good team. Uh, we haven't lost everything, and you know, this is an England team that are winning moments. There's there's certain moments that they're winning in this Test series, and we're just not stepping up at those moments. So, you know, time to reflect, but it's also time to you know try and try and hit back at England in this last Test and show the fans and and prove to themselves that they are the the, the team that we know they are. Dusty Grant Elliott is with us here on SCNZ. He'll be alongside me from 10am tomorrow on the Saturday session. A couple of quick ones before I let you go, Grant. What is the most unfortunate dismissal you've experienced in cricket? Uh, what was the unluckiest <laughs> way you got out? Because I'm talking about Henry Nichols hitting it, um, you know, back to the non-striker. It's hit his bat and he's been caught at mid-on. You know. That was unreal. Ask, it was unreal. It was. I saw the highlights of it and I was like, how did it get there? Did it hit the umpire? Did it hit Leach's wrist? And then they showed the slow-mo, and I was like, oh, no. It was so unlucky. Um, oh, the, 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 the most unluckiest way I've ever been given out. Oh, it wasn't unlucky. I just think Given out. Yeah. I like this. There's <laughs> a chance to have another go at an umpire. Fantastic. Floor is yours. So, so it was quite funny, actually. So we're playing a one-day game against Northern District, and... Um, I was batting with James Franklin, so he got a single, and it was the power play. So in the power play at that stage, you were only allowed two men out, I think. And um, I saw that fine leg was drifting. Uh, Baker was on the on the boundary. So as the umpire ran past me, I said, uh, Dave, uh, there's three men out, just letting you know, just keep an eye on that. And he's like, yep. So he ran past me, and just before I faced the ball, I looked, and fine leg was still back on the boundary. And um, as the bowler ran in, Fine leg started sprinting up, and I couldn't see that obviously because my back was now turned to the to fine leg. He started sprinting up to the circle, which he's not actually allowed to do. It should be a dead ball. And I just thought, well, it's a free hit because it's going to be called a no ball. <laughs> I took a massive slice, hit it straight in the air. James Franklin <laughs> said, well, what are you doing? And I was like, there's three men out, it's a no ball. And then Dave, who I told him, Dave Priest is the umpire, said, Dave, what's going on? He goes, no, he ran in. Sorry, mate. absolutely stiff there Grant Elliott I'm with you on this Uh, lastly uh, we have to find a new producer Saturday week Um, not this weekend Ben Francis will be there Ben Francis is skipping his first ever Saturday session 10 to 1 on SCNZ you better listen to it listeners it's darn good he's skipping he's skipping the show Grant to go watch the Warriors practice because the Warriors clearly do a lot of practicing He's off to their captain's run training to leave us in the lurch. Unbelievable. I'm actually I'm speechless when I think about this, but ever since he started his darts show, and, you know, maybe he's got a little bit too big for his boots. We might have to cut him down this Saturday, and um, I think the listeners will enjoy that. Normally it's me that gets cut down. I don't know how it always turns on to me, but... It might be Ben Francis' turn uh, this Saturday. Grant, Grant, Grant. <laughs> Grant, Grant. Thanks for answering the phone on the ninth time we may have called. Oh, that's unfair. That is no, unfair. I think it was the second call. It was the second call, wasn't it? Which is quite quick by your standards. Um, thank you. <laughs> hey, we had a really good production meeting the other day, by the way. I uh, hope you enjoyed missing it. Um, have a wonderful... Um, 
Matariki, my friend. I can't wait to be alongside you from uh, t- 10 a.m. tomorrow morning. Take it easy, mate. Happy Matariki, Ben and Daniel. Thanks for having me on the show. That is Grant Elliott, my co-host of the Saturday session uh, from 10 to 1. Uh, his thoughts, the former Black Cap, on the New Zealand effort on this the first day of the third test and the series overall. You might want to make a comment. Yeah, it's, there's been some... Sh- Really interesting, at times bizarre selections, I thought. Wagner's a great example. Who had Michael Bracewell, New Zealand's specialist spinner, in their New Zealand cricketing bingo game from six months ago? No one, because it wasn't even... No one thought like that. No one thought like that six months ago. But now they think like that. Ah, Bob each way cricketers. I love them. It's worked in the past, though, isn't it? Generally, when the seamers have done the work. Uh, 21 minutes away from 9 o'clock, we'll uh, move off cricket and bashing Ben Francis. Off to watch the Warriors train for skipping. They don't practice, mate. Haven't you watched the NRL? They don't know practicing. I, ca- I can't wait for, for your live phone in from Warriors Captain's Run and you can explain to me what exactly they do um, in the lead up to an NRL game. That, of course, um, what? Next Saturday, Saturday week, it's a sellout. It's a huge couple of weeks for league fans. I'm so utterly thrilled for them. They've been starved of it. Uh, the Kiwis, Kiwi Ferns, it's a doubleheader international against uh, uh, Tonga. Tongan fans always bring it, always uh, vibrant, full of life, full of colour. Hopefully uh, the Kiwi fans uh, can match them. You've certainly got a lot of motivation having had to wait so long to see them. And then the following weekend, of course, it is the Warriors um, at home, sold out Mount Smart. Got State of O this weekend too, so lots of league to get into. We'll talk about the New Zealand aspect to this with the, the CEO of New Zealand Rugby League, Greg Peters, in uh, a few minutes' time. Goran Paladin from Sky Sports is going to join us after 9 o'clock as well um, as uh, we, we take a broader sort of look at, at what's happening in the league world. League fans, you're going to get your fill this weekend and next. I'm delighted for you, and Greg Peters uh, will lead our discussion off the CEO of New Zealand Rugby League after this break. Quarter to nine, this is SENZ. Daniel McCarty in for Izzy and Kempe this morning, rolling through till 10 a.m. Plenty of league now on our sites from now through to the end of the program. Sky Sports presenter Goran Paladin to join us after nine. But right now, we are utterly delighted to welcome in CEO of New Zealand Rugby League. He is Mr. Greg Peters. Greg Peters, good to hear your voice again, my friend. How are you? Morena, manawa mai e te Good to hear you too, Daniel. It has been many years, my friend. It has. It has indeed. I I can only but vision. And happy Matariki to you. Um, We've really tried to incorporate um, some themes of Matariki in our our show, whether it's looking to the future or remembrance, but a a key tenant is being, you know, thankful, celebrating what we have. And I'm sure you're celebrating the thought of being able to see your international sides play again. How... How important is this weekend, considering the context of the last two or three years, Greg? Oh, it's a massive celebration of culture, both for Matariki and obviously the Red Sea of Tonga. Matamatonga is a special occasion for everyone. But for us, uh, it's been a long time between drinks. <laughs> I was just reflecting on the fact we last played at Mount Smart three years ago and the Kiwis played at the back end of that 2019 Kiwi Ferns in 2020, but we haven't had a lot of action at all over past years. And this is, we've built this as the return, uh, the return of the rivalry between uh, Kiwis and Kiwi Ferns and Tonga, but just as importantly, the return of international football after such a long hiatus. 
how important is it, the international football element, to you being able to do your job, your organisation being able to do what you want to achieve more broadly across New Zealand Rugby League? Look, it's, it's absolutely critical to have the international game and it being a pre-eminent um, you know, status of, of the game, which obviously some people would argue that it's still got a bit of work to do and, and I, I, I'm a massive internationalist and, and want to keep building that, that international game profile because for us, when you think about it, that's, that's how we can drive revenue to, to invest in the grassroots of the game. Uh, and there are, you know, there are partners that stuck with us for two and a half years when we didn't have any 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 international football and are still still with us today. That's just an amazing uh, thing, and we owe a huge debt of gratitude to them. And without them, we wouldn't have the investment in the in the grassroots of the game because there are limited other re- revenue sources, uh, you know, government revenue and other sponsors. But it's a- absolutely international game that will drive that revenue long term. And you want to see good results uh, for obvious reasons. Um, and there must be a fair bit of optimism. When, when you look at the two sides, there's some real talents across both our, our sides. Um, Tonga too, especially. So it's, you know, for, for a fan, gee, there's, there's lots to be excited for. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's a fan's game, this one, isn't it? It's the sort of bucket list uh, event for any sports fan around the world, I'd, I'd, I'd argue, because you, you don't get many events of this nature. Uh, particularly in Australasia, but even further afield. And this is going to go around the world to millions of viewers and just showcase Auckland, showcase everything that's great about our cultural cultural um, base in New Zealand. And uh, and as you say, from a high-performance perspective, this is a critical year for us leading into the World Cup. And kind of ironically, I guess, not having international football for a couple of years has meant this new talent surfaced. And there's some really exciting competition for places in both, both our teams. And as you point out, the, the Tongan team as well. How? Tell us about the day ahead. How are you looking to make sure these fans leave with massive smiles on their faces? Um, although it's probably already going to be done, considering the passion they bring, Greg. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's well, it's going to be, you know, it's a double header at Mount Smart. It's a great day out. Um, logistically, you want to treat them well, don't you? Yeah, yeah, I was at the players' uh, dinner last night when they presented jerseys to both teams and we were counting down on the app as the, as the tickets were getting down to the 20s and now sold out. <laughs> um, so so it's sold out. So it's, it's, it's going to be a massive event. I, I, remember, I remember when we had the event at Eden Park, a triple header back in 19, and Australia played Tonga as the last game of that, that, uh, that day at 8 o'clock and the Tongan fans were there at 2.30 in the afternoon. And we're encouraging we're encouraging people to get along early because we're trying to have a crack at a world record for crowd attendance in an international women's football match, which uh, which obviously is Kiwi Ferns versus MMT. That kicks off at fifteen ten, three ten. So get there early, people, because it'll be uh, it'll be jam packed. Yeah, that that is good advice. Don't leave don't leave your run late. Don't leave your run late. Get there nice and early, and it's. It's one of those atmospheres. I don't think you're going to be disappointed if you're in your seats 45 minutes before kickoff. Um, Greg, you oh, said... It's, it's yes. Sorry, sorry, right, sorry, I was just going to ask you, you said you're a globalist, and I'm with you. You and I are going to sing from the same song sheet. Uh, I think international uh, rugby... It's criminal how little there has been and how good the product is. That's just my opinion. Um, how do you persuade people to, to follow your vision, and what is your vision for international rugby league? 
Well, uh, for for me, the Kiwis need to be playing. Kiwi friends need to be playing between four and six test matches a year, and we we are going to um, from next year not have this mid-season window. Which, whilst on some some baits, it's, it's that's disappointing. What we are going to get is a, at the back end of the year a contiguous you know a season between uh, the back end of October and through November. So that's exciting because we can build a program around that. We can engage fans, uh, and they know when it's happening. And, oh, and and soon, I'm hoping that they'll know exactly what's happening next year. So that's the that's the announcements that are coming in the coming weeks about what we're actually going to do for the calendar, 23-24, uh, leading into another World Cup in 25. So huge excitement about that. I think people were seeing the excitement around the international game. They'll see this event. They've seen the stuff that happened in the Northern Hemisphere last week. And Lebanon played Malta the other night and in, in Belmore and and the Pacific Test in Australia this weekend, you can't you can't fight against that excitement, and you've just got to embrace it. And from my point of view, with, with players, they come into our environment with a huge excitement about putting on their national jersey, and that's that's what they come for. It's just a pinnacle for them. And what does that do when they go back to their clubs? They're excited about playing for their clubs again because they've had a new experience and a really cool experience. And they also want to get selected again for the Kiwis and Kiwi Ferns, so they're going to play harder for their clubs. So the benefit is 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 all round, and it's just what we need for the game, in my view. You know me, the old newsman and me. October, November, uh, they are the clear windows for future years, it would seem. Four to six tests in yeah. those windows is your dream, both in home and away. In, in, in New Zealand, maybe up to the north, all of those things on the card? All of those things, but we need to be playing in New Zealand in front of our fans and families every year. Otherwise, you know, you, you, it's too sporadic. We're dipping in and out. And we were starting to do that in 2019. Amen. Uh, which was pretty cool, but the, the problem, obviously, COVID intervened. Now we've got to rebuild a little bit. But we fought hard to get this match-up being, to be played in New Zealand this year at, um, uh, tomorrow. So, you know, we got it there, and it's now sold out. So it's, it's an amazing spectacle for International Rugby League. Well, and more broadly, over the next fortnight, it's, it's a great little period for New Zealand Rugby League more generally. I'm sure you're, you're thrilled to hear that the Warriors the following weekend are sold out, and they're long-suffering fans um, who've at least got to see their side play, I, <laughs> I guess, Greg, on television screens. But it is a real opportunity to, to build some momentum for League over the next fortnight. Well, it certainly shines a spotlight on the game, and it's a real festival of rugby league, international and club rugby league. And to have those two sellouts, what a statement for the game! You know, it's it's it's, it's a really special time for rugby league in this country. Long time coming, of course, as you say, three years for the Warriors, and and close enough for us. So, um, you know, we're we're hugely excited about what this means for shining the spotlight on rugby league in New Zealand and around the world uh, this weekend and next weekend. Good on you, Greg. Anything else we need to mention before you depart? No, get there early and help us break that world record for Kiwi Ferns versus Mate Matonga. Thanks so much, Greg. Take it easy, my friend. Look forward to catching up with you down the line. Thank you, Daniel. Cheers, mate. That's Greg Peters out of New Zealand Rugby League, the CEO. He wants you to be part of a world record uh, for the uh, the women's international game between uh, the Kiwi Ferns and Tonga. Quarter past three, I think he said, as far as kickoff for that one. Do get in early. Um, it's going to be busy, and it's going to be fun. Enjoy it. Uh, as Greg did mention, Lebanon beat uh, Malta, I think Wednesday night that was, so 30 points to 14. The other uh, games this weekend in the Pacific, although they're in Sydney, 
the Pacific Test. So Samoa taking on uh, the Cook Islands in Papua New Guinea uh, are playing Fiji. Both of those games are on Saturday night. I think they roll into each other, don't they? I think 7.40 and 9.50. So uh, league tragics like my producer Ben Francis um, can plonk himself down on the couch at about 3 o'clock and roll through to about midnight. Question is, does Ben Francis have enough brownie points to be able to pull that off? I'm going to suggest no. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. How many How many brownie points you got for one game at least? Two? Maybe the double here. If I'm lucky. Oh, if you're lucky? Yeah. Well, the following week you are going to Warriors practice. Warriors training. Well, she, she's coming. Mm. The, the missus oh, is coming to that too. Right. Right. Have you told her it's practice? Well, she wants to meet Reese Walsh, so. Okay, well, that's fair enough. I'd, those eyes. Dreamy eyes. Dreamy eyes, aren't they, Ben? I hear it yeah. every week. <laughs> Thank you to Greg Peters. Good luck to the teams. I can't wait to see International League. Gee, I've banged on the drum over that over the years. I, I really love International League. I just wish there was more of it. I wish the guys across the ditch saw it that way. Anyway, hopefully Greg does get his wish. Four to six tests, October, November. Do you like the smell of that? Tell me, league fans, your instant reaction to Greg Peters. Four to six tests, playing here, maybe overseas. October, November, you like it? Let me know. 0800 150 811. We'll text the show. Double eight, double three. Back after this break. It's four minutes away from nine. This is SENZ, the Matariki Breakfast with Daniel McCarty, your producer and music producer, Ben Francis, as he desperately tries to distance himself with his choice. It's nine o'clock. Bang on, nine o'clock. More regularly coming your way in about 10 minutes' time, leagueies. One of my favourite broadcasters going around, Mr. Goran Paladin, is going to join us, Sky Sports presenter. He will uh, be on board in about 10 minutes' time as we look at, at uh, footy this uh, weekend. Uh, international, bit of state of O throughout in there as well. And uh, maybe a longer look uh, to the resumption of the NRL, which will feature the Warriors playing at home for the first time in three years. How good is that? Uh, we've heard the links that uh, Ben Francis is going to. Skipping work, can't believe it, to go... Not to the game, not to the game, but practice. Yes, Warriors training. We'll get him live. No, your hand is not up. This is not class. I'm not calling on you, Ben Francis. You can wait your turn. Because we're very busy this hour. Keep your messages rolling into double eight, double three on the temper text machine, like this one from Vish, who uh, pulls no punches. Bracewell is not a test spinner. Honestly, Stead and Larson need to go. We need to fresh it up. Play our goddamn spinner. How many chances does Henry get in the... Is he the new Craig McMillan? All the talent, but can't get past 30 against top teams. Especially away from home, Bish. I assume you are talking about Henry Nichols rather than Henry, Matt Henry, that is, uh, with the comparison to Craig McMillan. 700s at home, excellent at home. Um, just hasn't been able to replicate that anywhere near. I think average 22 and 15 tests away from home. Um, those numbers, unfortunately, just probably not going to cut the mustard. I do appreciate your thoughts on double eight double three on our temper text machine. You can pick up the uh, the phone and give us a call on 0800 They're doing, doing a splendid job bringing us live ball-by-ball coverage throughout this test series. Granted, the results have not gone our way. Uh, England leading, of course, two matches to nil. And New Zealand, the close of the uh, first day of the third test, to 225 for the loss of five. Mitchell, 78, not out. And Blundell's, 45, not out. At the end of the day, Adam Collins... Daniel Norcross had to sit down to review what they had seen.
It was Daniel Norcross alongside Adam Collins reviewing day one of the third cricket test between England and New Zealand. At the end of the day's play, 225 for the loss of five. 225 for the loss of five, with Mitchell 78 not out and Blundell 45 not out. Latham gone with no score. Uh, Young 20, Williamson 31, Conway 26, Nichols 19. 225 for the loss of five at the end of the day's play. Uh, two wickets apiece to Jack Leach, who bowled 30 overs of his uh, left-arm fingerspin on day number one. That tells you a lot, doesn't it? And short ball two for 45 of 17, while Jamie Overton took one for 41 of 16. Play will resume later tonight. Our coverage to continue with uh, Adam Collins, Jeremy Coney, Daniel Norcross and others. I uh, hope you enjoy the coverage, uh, coverage resuming later tonight. We will take a short break. We will talk International League. Um, representative League, Goran Paladin out of Sky Sports, up next. No Izzy and Kempi, Daniel McCarty in the chair for the boys today. Ben Francis alongside, we take you through till 10 o'clock. Right now we talk about Rep Rugby League and why not a huge couple of weeks uh, for Rugby League in New Zealand. Of course, not only the, the Rep uh, League this weekend, the double header, uh, Kiwi Ferns and the Kiwis up against Tonga, but of course then the Warriors the following weekend get to play in front of fans, their own fans, in Auckland, in front of a sold-out um, Mount Smart. It's sold out for the uh, the test as well. So much to look forward to. So let's welcome in a man who has, well, a million voices, one pretty face. He's a darn fine uh, broadcaster and presenter with Sky Sport. He is Goran Paladin. He joins the program somewhere, probably from a war zone. It's breakfast time in the Paladin household. Good morning. <laughs> Daniel McCarty, what an introduction. Great to talk to you again, mate. I haven't seen you since um, the Wellington Phoenix fell flat in the capital upon their return. <laughs> well, that, that was all your fault for turning up. There's a lot of makeup, mate. You're far too pretty. You're far too pretty. You just tell the makeup artist, let me shine. Let me shine. Let mate, me do my own work. It's, it's almost like they get the old, um, what is it, Sally's No More Gaps out, and they just start like plying it into all the crevices in my face. Yeah, I'm, I'm not as young as I used to be, Daniel. Now, these aren't the days of radio sport, for goodness sake. Can we even talk about radio sport on SENZ? I don't know. Oh, you've got to say RIP every time you do mention it, though, don't you? <laughs> okay, RIP radio sport. Yeah. yeah, I'll have a drink in your memory tonight. <laughs> I think you only did 17 years there, mate. So um, you've, aged, you've aged far better than you probably should have. But you are a massive <laughs> league fan. Everyone knows that. Yeah. Um, just how exciting is the prospect of just footy in, in a stadium... These fans have gone to me so many times over 20 years. It, it seems so silly. A home game can, can just be so exciting. Yeah, I'm, I'm pumped for it. And look, it, it, it might sound ridiculous to say I'm, I'm really excited about the, uh, the Vodafone Warriors match um, Sunday week, uh, given that they're 15th spot. And if the Titans win when um, the NRL returns, I think they play before the Vodafone Warriors do on the Sunday against the Tigers. They could be provisional last by the time they take to the turf at Mount Smart Stadium, Daniel. So that would be pretty average. But to think that we'll have a sellout, 25,000 fans at that game, it just goes to show how much the, the club means to these people Yes, um, that, that have been starved of the whole experience. I mean, this is why we support these teams, right? You want to get in behind them literally in the stands, sitting in the seats, cheering them on. Haven't been able to do that for... What is it? 1,038 days. The opportunity to do it, even if they are placed 15th or 16th, fans aren't going to pass up that opportunity. And um, if, if they've been unable to secure seats, tickets, 
for that return game. Um, obviously, we'll, we'll have broadcast uh, live coverage on Sky Sport that day. But, um, yeah, for those in attendance, they're going to be in for something truly special. And, and I even, uh, I'm pretty sure, I don't know if I've, I've got this right or wrong, but I, I have it on good authority that the Mad Butcher, he's opening up the Butcher's Lounge as well, like a, a one-night-only type thing <laughs> for the Warriors' return. So, I mean, I don't know what's the bigger deal, the, the game itself or the Butcher going off in the lounge upstairs. Studio 54 with a bit of meat, isn't it? It's, a, it's basically what it is. <laughs> yeah, meat packs flying around all over the place. <laughs> hey, you've just, you've just spoken to my producer, Ben Francis, who's actually skipping his job next Saturday to go watch the Warriors' captains run. He's, he's turning down oh, good wow. money to go watch the Warriors' practice. That's how much uh, look, he loves Dan- it. Daniel, hey, hey, and I hope you're not ripping into him because this, oh, is, yeah, I am. this is another I am. opportunity. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, you would, wouldn't you? But yeah. this is an opportunity for, for fans like Ben to get alongside their team. Haven't been able to do it since 2019. So why wouldn't you go to the captain's run? I mean, that, that's a, actually, I, I mean, you'd put the call out, wouldn't you? You'd say, look, let's, let's get as many people to that captain's run. Let the Warriors feel the love, something they haven't felt for a long time. And, uh, you know, just keep on building up that uh, anticipation and the excitement for Sunday week's game. Let's talk the, the rep footy. Where do you see International League and its importance to the game overall. We've had Greg Peters on in the last hour. Um, He's indicated news will become clear in the next couple of weeks, but his hope, his own personal hope, is for an international window, October, November, where New Zealand might play four to six test matches. He wants them to play at home, multiple tests maybe before heading to the north. So that's one vision, his vision for the future. But what about you? How big a part of the game should rep footy be? Because, you know, I'm a card-carrying member, big fan of it, think it's criminal that we don't have more it should be the biggest part of the game obviously we're all huge nrl supporters we've all got our teams whether it's the warriors or one of the many australian um, teams but you know to, to get your your best possible selection representing the nation up against australia or tonga or samoa or england whoever it might be that that should be the most exciting like i look at the kiwis lineup this weekend to face tonga and it really gets the blood flowing. You know, yeah. like that, that's a, a side that's um, full of experience, um, you know, form players in the NRL competition up against a really exciting Tongan outfit. You know, like when I think back five years ago and all the talk was about the, the defectors, the, you know, Jason Tamalolo going across to Tonga, Manu Mau and, and others, that, that, the Tongans don't need that anymore. You know, they are a, a wonderful looking side on paper even without defectors. Um, and I, I think we really need to um, have that as... That, that's the top draw, you know? Um, and so, like, above all... Like, I, I love watching State of Origin, excuse me. I've been a, a New South Wales Blues supporter for a long, long time. But the big game for me this weekend is the Kiwis up against Tonga. Um, and, and that's the way it should be. We need more opportunities to celebrate our, our, our nations. Um, and, and how that happens in the, the current calendar, I don't know. I don't have the answers for that. But, um, yeah, I think more opportunities to see the Kiwis in action, I'd be all for it. And, yeah, regular games against Australia, um, Tonga, Samoa, I, I'd love to see it. But, as I say, I don't know how you squeeze it into the calendar, and I don't know if there's an appetite for that amongst the players. You'd have to ask them. 
Yeah, that's a really good point, isn't it? Um, the players are the ones that carry the heavy burden, actually getting out and uh, doing the hard work, if you know what I mean. Jason Tomalotto, what a star, mate. I, I, I'd pay to go watch him elbow people out of the way in the pack and save queue to, to get to the front of the aisle. But <laughs> as as far as his, his teammate, how good is this Matema Tonga side, do you think? And, and how do they match up maybe stylistically against the Kiwis? I think they match up pretty well. Um, you know, when you look at the forward pack, and while Adam Fanua Blake, he's been out injured, missed three games for the Warriors um, with that foot injury, uh, you can't deny his quality and what he did in the early uh, exchanges of the, the Warriors season. You know, he and Matt Lodge were setting the platform for the Warriors and securing those, what, four wins. Um, so Adam Fanua Blake, one of the, the game's best props, going up against one of, one of the game's other best props, James Fisher-Harris and Jesse Bromwich not too far behind. In fact, you know, you, when you look at that, that Ford battle, there's going to be a, a lot of sore battered and bruised bodies <laughs> come Sunday morning, isn't there? You know, like there, there are some big humans that will be uh, launching into the defensive line, and, and that's what I'm, I'm really looking forward to the most. A lot of really talented, skilled backs. Um, you know, you, you look at the Tongan back line, and while there's a little bit of um, sort of mix and match, obviously Katoni Staggs plays his rugby league for the Broncos at the centre position, but he, he has been quite vocal in the past about wanting to play in the half, so it's an opportunity for him to show his wares in a playmaking role. So keen to see that and going up against Dylan Brown, who is one of the best defensive halves in the competition, the NRL. Um, and uh, the, the youngster out of, of Manly, Kohler, um, playing centre for Manly, but at fullback yeah, with a chance to wind up and utilise his pace, um, that, that kind of scares me. But um, I, I honestly think that um, man for man, the Kiwis should do it. The, the only thing that, it's not a worry of mine. It, it's, it's just like a, a, I don't know, a questionable selection, if, if, if I can say that. Um, the, 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 the selection of Maratani Okore in centre, um, because he's a guy who's only played five times for the Eels this year. His preferred position is back row. And yes, while he has had success in centre before, I'm, I'm thinking about maybe last year when he was picked at centre um, by Brad Arthur uh, up against the Melbourne Storm and he had a ding-dong battle with Justin Ollum. And, you know, again, they just clattered into each other all night long and I think Marata came out on top. Maybe Michael Maguire is thinking something similar up against Tonga tomorrow. Um, but that, for me, like if you, if you had to put Joey Manu in at centre, because that's what he's been doing for the Roosters, and maybe selected Tamari Martin, who's been playing fullback for the Broncos, a position that he's familiar with. He's been playing it week in, week out in club world. Um, either that or slot in the former Kiwis captain, Dallin Watanizalesniak. And I know that his form hasn't been great. Look, the Warriors haven't been great as a collective, but he's at least somebody who has had international experience at fullback. But... Look, the, the side is really strong. Um, I, I, I'm not saying that Michael Maguire should have gone one way or the other. Um, I, I like the look of it. It's just something that sort of caught my eye. Yeah, a few people telling me during the week, gee, this is, this is a very strong side, you know, arguably the strongest side we've had in a decade. And I'm like, hold on, we haven't played for three years. Um, let's actually see them out in the park. But I, I can see that. You look at it on paper and, and you even take the halves pairing. You can dream on that, can't yeah. you? Oh, yeah. I mean, Jerome Hughes, uh, you, you could make an argument that he's the best half in the competition. A, a lot of people would say that Nathan Cleary is, um, but Jerome Hughes, since he's made a, a transition from 
an interchange player or a, a sometime fullback into the halves. Geez, he's so good. He's got it all, doesn't he? You know, like he, whether it's running, passing, kicking, short game, long game, when it comes to the kicking, he's he is the the complete half. And when you put him up up alongside Dylan Brown, who, as I said earlier, yeah, he's been one of the the best defensive halves in the NRL for a, a wee while now. And he's found his attacking game as well this year for the Eels. You know, he's he's running for I think an average of a, 130 meters a game, plenty of tackle busts. Um, he's versatile. He's played a few games at centre as well. I, I really like that that halves pairing. And then when you you think that you've got the old head of Kieran Foran just sitting on the pine waiting for an interjection, maybe he's uh, you know got 20 or 30 minutes up his sleeve as well. Um, that that trifecta um, gets me excited as well. The experience of Kieran, what he can bring to you know Dylan Brown on debut and. And, and help out Jerome Hughes with, with any um, planning or, or, or ideas for, for taking down the Tongans. It's, um, yeah, it is exciting. And, and you say, look, it's the best team we've had for 10 years. I, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with it because it, it's a side picked on form. These are all form players. And I know that one of the, the um, lines of thinking was, oh, Sean Johnson's been dropped from the Kiwis. Well, Sean Johnson didn't play well enough to be selected for the Kiwis. It's, it's not a position that you, you hold for forever and a day just because of reputation. <laughs> You've got to go on who's doing um, the best things in the NRL. And uh, unfortunately, Sean's form has been down. So I don't think you can make a case for him. You've got to go with Jerome and you've got to go with Dylan because they have been, their form has been scintillating. You can't ignore it. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. It's going to be a huge day out, of course, with the Kiwi Ferns before that against Satonga as well. It's a sellout. Uh, Greg Peters encouraging everyone to get there nice and early. They want to break a world record for the largest crowd for Women's International. And I, I love Women's International League. And this is a real compliment. I I don't see the cynicism in their play. I, I see a, freedom, a real desire to play as attacking and free footy as possible. Yeah. Yeah, and, um, you know, we see that in the NRLW as well. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm quite keen to see uh, the Kiwi Ferns in action as well. And there's an interesting selection as well with um, Roxy Murdoch-Masilla. And obviously the, the name is very familiar. It's the, the wife of Big Ben from the Warriors. And she's listed to play for the Kiwi Ferns up against her husband's nation. So... I don't know what's going on in that household. <laughs> but um, to, to your point, you know, like, we've got some really awesome young players. It's a really young Kiwi Fern side that'll be led especially well by Crystal Rosa um, in the hooker position. But, you know, if, if, you, if you're unfamiliar with some of the names, just look out for Autumn Rain Stevens Daly. Bit of a mouthful, uh, but she can play a variety of positions. She can either play in the halves, she can play on the wing. Um, I think she played wing for the Māori All-Stars, um, but she pops up at fullback for the Kiwi Ferns on Saturday. Um, she was the Kiwi Ferns Rookie of the Year back in 2020, and, um, you know, she's got the world at her feet. Uh, anything's possible for this one. So look out for Stevens Daly at fullback. And, you know, a, a real feature of the Kiwi Ferns, Daniel, is the fact that most of these players in the 17 have NRLW experience. Yeah. I think only... One in the run-on 13, two in the 17 haven't been selected from NRLW land. So 
you know, they're getting professional rugby league um, regularly. And obviously later in the year, we'll have the 2022 season, even though we had the season of 2021 at the beginning of 2022, if you follow my logic, um, they're getting, um, you know, semi-regular professional rugby league. So, yeah, that the quality that will be on display um, in the Kiwi Ferns Tonga game will be exceptional as well. Really looking forward to seeing Georgia Hale back as well. Um, yeah, she's she's brilliant, and um, yeah, looking forward to seeing her play in the in the lock forward position. I, I know there's now wheat mix on the roof and the wall, and it's all kind of zero. I know you've got to get back to the clean up, but one last one. Oh no no uh, no no, we, we, we've got plenty of time. We've got plenty of time. Daniel, <laughs> um, yeah, please, uh, just keep me from it. No no no, I actually yeah. I shipped the young lad out the door. Um, Nana came around and, and and collected him, and I was like, I can't deal with this. You can. So, yeah. um, you just side footed a Modric like to Nana. There you go, Nan. See you later. Out, outside of the right Mate, foot, rather. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, sorry, uh, this is somebody else's problem today. <laughs> So, yeah, but state, state of O, we, we, we can't ignore that. Um, how are the Blues going to rectify this? Granted, they're now up against, um, you know, a, a Queensland side that do have the greatest coach of all time, right? And uh, Billy Slater after that first game. <laughs> oh, it, it's, it, origin is so weird, isn't it? You just put <laughs> yeah, like it a, is. a, a legendary player in charge and it just psychs up all of these guys who, you know, they're, they're full professionals. They know how to play a game of rugby league. They just need somebody to inspire them and yeah, I, I guess having Billy Slater in there is a masterstroke because he did so many incredible things for Queensland as a player. So if if you come into camp and you've got Billy Slater in charge, all of a sudden you grow an extra leg and arm, you grow an extra foot and height, and, and you know you, you want to run through a brick wall for somebody like that. Um, oh, you know, like I I, I support the Blues, um, have done for ages. I, I think they, they got the Origin 1 selection wrong. Um, they, they needed somebody like Jake Trebojevic because he, you know, you only need to watch him in a post-match interview for Manly to, to show the emotion and the passion that he has for his team. And I think when you put him in a rep jersey, that just gets elevated. And, um, yeah, so having Jake Trebojevic back in the mix will certainly help the Blues. Um, I'm fascinated by the selection of Matt Burton because, you know, like he, he was playing good footy for Penrith then obviously he took the big money move to the Bulldogs and the Bulldogs have been a busted ass. Um, and he's obviously in the, in the halves for the Bulldogs. But to put him in at centre, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting one. He's, he's, he's not a, the same player as, as Jack Whiten, who was, in, you know, he was probably the Blues' best player in game one. Um, I don't know how they use him because... The, the benefit of Matt Burton is that huge boot of his. But how much kicking will he be doing from the centre position? Is he going to move centrally on the you know fourth, fifth place and, and start putting up those torpedo bombs and the wobblers and you know putting the, the boot through the belly of the ball and making it difficult for the likes of Kalen Ponga, Selwyn Cobbo, Murray Taolangi? Uh, yeah, it's, it's a fascinating one. But he does have that Penrith connection. And obviously, Brad Fittler's gone massive on that Penrith connection. They're, they're all over the place. So... That familiarity will probably um, serve him well, but yeah, just a it's a it's a strange one. They, I, I feel like the one of the features of Fittler's reign as as Blues coach has been putting people in positions that they don't regularly play. <laughs> um, you know, 
know, there was that season where he put basically like 12 fullbacks out on the field yeah. at the same yeah. time and started to go out there and do what Everyone gets a fullback. You get a fullback. Yeah. Wing, you get a fullback. Second row, you get a fullback. Look under your chair. chair. Oh, Jesus, Paul Gutherson. Yeah. Oh. So, I don't know, man. It, 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 could, it could work out well or it could blow up in his face. I've um, come up with a great idea, Goran. Inspired by you, next year the Blues should be coached by three former Blues players, one each game, uh, to, just to inspire, just inspire New South Wales. So go on, Paladin. Give me your, give me, yeah. yeah. Who's in, who's coaching game one, game two, game three? Former Blues players oh. that you, that you think. See, I've got, I've got, I've got Billy Moore definitely coaching Queensland in one. All I know it's just going to be okay. a wagging finger and him just shouting Queensland at the top of his voice for eighty minutes. That will be about that. <laughs> Oh, I mean, being an Eel supporter, I'd I'd have to get Nathan Hindmarsh in there. Yeah. Um, oh, Lego man. Oh, Peter Sterling, he'd have to go in there. Mind you, some of these players are so young they wouldn't even know who Peter Sterling is. They'd probably look <laughs> at old footage of him and go, "Who's that blonde guy running around?" Yeah. <laughs> Were you like in Harry a, Potter? A bald gnome standing in front of me. <laughs> um, and then I think for for just shits and giggles, you'd you'd put Brian Fletcher in for Game Three. You know, it's just a bit of fun. <laughs> the, season, the series is probably gone. It's like yeah. I have a bit of a joke. <laughs> a dead rubber coach. He's the perfect yeah. dead rubber coach, isn't he? He really is. <laughs> I mean, how much time would they spend on the training paddock versus how much time would they spend in the pub? Yeah, yeah. They've probably got the ratio right there. Great to hear your voice, mate. Uh, enjoy the next fortnight. Keep up the great work and look forward to chatting down the line. Go on. Take it easy, mate. Yeah, thanks, Daniel. Thanks for the opportunity and uh, have a good day. Will do, Goran Paladin from Sky Sport. Uh, the key uh, presenter for all things rugby league. Huge couple of weeks ahead here and across in Australia. Of course, State of O. Can't forget that as well with Queensland uh, leading that series after that somewhat surprising uh, victory in game number one. Uh, Kiwi Ferns and the Kiwis up against uh, Tonga. That double header. The first game kicks off quarter past three. It is a sellout. Greg Peters, the CEO of New Zealand Rugby League, was on the programme late earlier this morning. At about quarter to nine, uh, telling us it was a sellout, urging people to get there nice and early, encouraging people to get there for the first game too. Uh, they want to set a world record for the uh, highest attendance of a uh, women's international game. And as Goran has rightly pointed out, there's some uh, high-calibre talent uh, on the field for that one as well. And they play with a great endeavour, great spirit. Um, and then the big one, which is uh, the Kiwis up against uh, Tonga. With kickoff, quarter past five, I think it was, as he hurriedly tries to find his piece of paper. Yeah, 20 past five, in fact. 20 past five, New Zealand up against Mate Ma'atonga in that one. Uh, ben Francis, how do I not know this? You're a Blue and Maroon fan. Well, neither. I'm neither because... That's I'm, right. I'm right. neither. Although I did support New South Wales once, but that was because I was at ANZ Stadium in 2014 when they won game two to win their first series and how many ever years it was. Uh, so that day I was supporting the home side. You got caught up in the emotion of it. Well, I didn't want to... I had, I was there in my Warriors gear, but I don't want to be like, oh, yeah, go Queensland. Uh, so I was kind of just Well, like, most people most people thought you were a bit unhinged turning up to State of Origin wearing a Warriors jump, eh? We're all thinking, he, well, for a start, this guy's lost. He's definitely lost. Best atmosphere I've ever been a part of, though. 83,500 people there as Jared Hayne ran the ball dead to, to end the hoodoo. 
6-4, high-scoring contest, one try. Those were the days. Those were the days. It's only eight years ago. I know. An incredible <laughs> run Queensland had prior to that. How lucky we were to see some of the talent. Well, because I'm a Queensland fan. We. Sounding as if I'm in the team. There's no chance of that is ever going to happen. But extraordinary success. Extraordinary string of players they did have. Uh, that's our second uh, encounter this weekend. Um, very much looking forward to it. Just uh, wanted, if you're making, oh, sorry. Uh, I just ben. wanted to say as well that uh, SCNZ has a commentary of the Kiwis Tonga test tomorrow. Yeah, I think Dale Husband alongside one, Tony Kemp. Tony Kemp? Kempy, they call him? Kempy? Yeah. Uh, those are two. We'll bring you all the colour, all the excitement, all the hits, all the breaks, all the tries, all the points here on SENZ uh, 20 minutes after 5 o'clock kickoff. Uh, to be exact, I'm sure our coverage starts before that. Uh, if you're making the, the journey, if you're coming from far and wide, not only this weekend and next, let us know. I'd love to know the links you are going to to finally see some rugby league live in person. We've been uh, giving Ben Francis a bit of grief that he's uh, skipping work next weekend, both Saturday and Sunday now, I hear. Not just to watch the Warriors play on the Sunday, but go to their training. Yeah, they actually do practice, despite what you've seen out on the field. Their captain's run. Run, uh, he's making the weekend of it. And, uh, in all uh, fairness, Ben, good on you, mate. Make the most of it. It's uh, what we should do as fans. Enjoy. So let us know the, how you're uh, going about uh, getting a month's rugby league over the next couple of weeks. Now it's on our shores, especially to those who are going some distance. Are you travelling? Are you coming up from the South Island? You're on a road? You're on a bender? I should probably say bender. Are you having a road trip and being responsible? Let us know. 0800 150 811 or text double eight double three that's the temper text line sammy boy writes as he goes completely left field and talks about a topic we haven't even discussed but fair enough that is the joy of live radio the all blacks are kidding themselves if they think Fozzie is going to bring home a world world cup glory seriously nzru wake up and ring razor for all our sakes three exclamation points you know what that, that text could have rung true last year the year before the year before that uh, Razor Robinson has uh, done nothing other than uh, increase his stock every single Super Rugby season. I did find it funny how, again, once again, uh, Ben Francis, how many people lost their mind when he did that little dance. Social media was a wash. <laughs> Namiya Tialata threatening to smash his television set. It's like, whoa, deep breath, deep breath. It's a man dancing. It's a man dancing. That's it. That's all it is. It's just a man dancing. You're going to lose your mind over that? I had to think what you're going to like, be like when actually an, an important moment in your life comes about. It's 23 away from 10. We will take a break. Lines are always open. 0800 811 or text 888. 18 minutes away from 10 o'clock. Keep it rolling, mate. Keep it rolling. I'm not used to these marathon stints anymore, mate. I'm a three-hour co-hoster. I, I need to share the burden with someone. Ben, I can only do three hours. This four hours talking nonsense makes you and I... Hard. Gas. Who's up next? Watto. Mark Watson up next. Well, not Nat. Next. 18 minutes away. It's 18 minutes away from 10 o'clock. Hope you're enjoying your Matariki morning, New Zealand. We've tried to intertwine some key tenets of uh, Matariki into our content today, whether it's remembering, being, celebrating what's going on now, or looking to the future. Still wanted, I, I wanted more responses on our, our next stars, our, our next gen of stars. Uh, who 
would you label as the, the up-and-comers of New Zealand sport? Who are going to be our brightest stars maybe in three, four, five years, whatever? Um, you can still enter, well, not enter, you participate <laughs> by the temper text machine, double eight double three, or you can pick up the phone, 0800 150 Really enjoyed speaking to Goran Paladin and Greg Peters, so part of that. I'm fizzing for the weekend of league ahead. Uh, Rip Footy, um, fantastic for mine. I understand all those issues with the calendar. It's heavily uh, packed. What makes the money? Who's uh, holding the purse strings, if you know what I mean? Um, the success of the NRL, they're not going to jeopardise that in any way, shape or form. Can you just then tack on weeks on the end of the season? And are you going to have players make themselves available? I know it's a bit of a vexed issue, but uh, it was really encouraging to hear Greg Peters uh, talk about his vision for what he uh, sees uh, International Rugby League uh, possibly being, which is a window between October and November. Because this current rep weekend, or this rep calendar, so it gets removed from the calendar, doesn't it? Doesn't it, this uh, rep week? So he was hoping anywhere between four to six test matches for the Kiwis, maybe in that uh, short period of time in October and November. A uh, Part of that would be playing at home as well. He wants, and it was music to my ears, he wants uh, his Kiwi sides, both the Kiwis and Kiwi fans, to be playing in front of their people, which is you, you the fans. Uh, if you are heading out to Mount Smart, go enjoy it. Hope you savour the day, savour the occasion, and it does live up to expectations. So we've uh, discussed plenty of uh, rugby league over the last hour. It's been really enjoyable speaking to uh, all of our uh, SNZ uh, cricket uh, contributors. Uh, looking at uh, the uh, the Test cricket, we've heard from Daniel Norcross and uh, Adam Collins to start this hour, and Nikesh Rugani, who I spoke to. Earlier, about quarter past six, you can, of course, uh, check out all our social medias and uh, pick up those interviews if you did miss. He gave a, a great account of not only the first day's play, but what has happened in this series, particular long look at uh, the efforts of uh, one uh, Daryl Mitchell, who has uh, really risen to stardom in this New Zealand setup. not just the Test game, uh, but such a key contributor, as Grant Elliott pointed out uh, last hour, uh, might be one of our most important players because he plays in all three forms, and he's on an extraordinary run, and now eyeing a uh, third, I think it's the third test match in a row where he would uh, score 100. Uh, he's some way off the record. That is held by one Sir D.G. Bradman, Ben Francis, who scored six hundreds and six tests between January 1937 and July 1938. In fairness, though, Ben, he was, he was only playing England. So it was kind of a fill-your-boots uh, occasion. Next best on that list... One Jacques Callas, Mohamed Youssef and Galtam Gambia all scored hundreds and five consecutive tests. And then some guy, Bradman, scored four and four four straight tests twice. It's a bit of a joke. A bit of a joke that guy was. There was no drug testing back in those days, was there, Ben? Dodgy. Dodgy Australians. Dodgy Australians. You're asking me like He's I clearly was joking time. the piss Australian cricket fans. I'm clearly joking. Extraordinary. We, you, you could do a tour, you could do a four-hour sports show just on the stats of Don Bradman. Quite extraordinary. Uh, Thirteen and a half minutes away from ten o'clock. Our lines are always open. Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven, and double eight double three. Also, really enjoyed uh, listening to, to Ricky Herbert as we went down memory lane, uh, part of the remembrance segment on our Matariki special, uh, because it almost to the hour, a few hours ago, forty years exactly when New Zealand took on Brazil at the nineteen eighty two World Cup. We talked about uh, the journey they uh, did go on. Uh, so thanks to all of our guests uh, for joining us uh, today. I hope you've enjoyed it. We will have some final thoughts uh, up after this break. It is 13 minutes away from 10. 
No, is he? No, Kempe, no problem. Ben Francis is here. My name is Daniel McCarty. And Ron's with us, who's called in on 0800 150 811. Good morning, Ron. Yeah, g'day, mate. How you going? Great. I can hear the energy in your voice. I'm not as good as you. Oh, you're not too bad, eh? How good's this, um, how good's, uh, the, the two sellouts at Mount Smart, mate? Oh, fantastic, isn't it? I'm so thrilled oh. for league fans in New Zealand. We have been starved of it. We're a passionate bunch. Some very, very loyal. I'm talking about one particular club there. Um, but I, I can't wait to watch it. I, and I can't wait to, to see the fans there with the massive smiles on their face, I hope. Oh, it's just, yeah, it's been a long wait, mate. It's been a long wait. I can't wait to get out there, eh? Are you going? Oh, definitely both games, mate. Both games. Brilliant. So tell mate, me about travel up, arrangements. Where, where, where are you going from? Oh, going from Topol, mate. Nice. Just you? Or have you got a horde, a cast of thousands? Oh, no. There's coming? a crew. There's a crew of us going, mate. There's a crew. Okay. Who's in the crew? Oh, give me the name of them, mate. Mate, Nick, yeah, I want their nicknames. For a start, what's your oh, nickname, you got... Ron? What do they call you? Oh, they just call me Ronnie. Just call you Ronnie. Right. You're obviously top of yeah. the, the mafioso, aren't you? You're obviously uh, head of the crime yeah. family. Yeah, Big Kev, he's probably listening. Big Kev's coming. Big Kev, how you doing, Kev? Is, is, no, is he a good tourist? Is he a good tourist or is he a bit of a liability, old Kev? Oh, he, yeah, he's a, he's a bit of a madman, old Kev. <laughs> he's, he's, he's the one who's likely to get himself sent off after five minutes, right? Oh, probably. I don't know. He, nah, he'll be, he's pumped, mate. He's pumped. <laughs> so we've got Ron, we've got Big Kev. Anyone else you want to give a shout-out to? Oh, I'll give a shout-out to old, um, old Crewy. Crewy? Yeah, Crew, okay. he's, he, he's another one, mate. He's probably still asleep from the cricket last night. How good was Mitchell? <laughs> mate, how good was Mitchell? But he's just been fab- fabulous. Uh, quite sensational. Oh, he, he, he is your number five going forward. It has to be, doesn't he? he? He can't drop him. You can't drop him. Oh, you couldn't. He's the backbone at the moment, mate. He's holding it together. Oh, good stuff. Good stuff. And what about the league results? Is it going to be a tight one? Is it going to be the Kiwis and a cakewalk? Another upset from Taimatonga? How do you see it? Yeah, I think it's going to be a pretty close game, to be honest. I think Tonga's got a pretty good lineup, mate. Yeah, I, I yeah. honestly wouldn't surprise me if it was Golden Point. No, and you know what? I, I think when they first beat New Zealand, people were surprised. I think we learned quickly that's a talented roster, and it would not shock any of us if we did get up, if they did get up. No, yeah, we, oh, it's just going to be a great event. Well, good Bring luck to on. you, to Big Kev, to Crewy, the rest of the crew heading up from Topol. Uh, thanks so much for calling in, Ron. Have a fabulous weekend. Go enjoy it, mate. Oh, good on you, mate. See you, bud. It was uh, very nice and fitting, I think, on this day to finish off speaking to a fan. Just to hear the excitement in his voice, Ben. That's what sport's about for me. That's what sport's about. Get out, enjoy it, smile on your face, sing, shout, scream, cheer. Even sledge. But uh, keep it above board, right? Intellectual if you're going with sledging, right? Intellectual. But just get out, get amongst it, go have fun. Even if you are going to Warriors practice. Maybe in Francis. You know what's coming your way tomorrow uh, from 10am. What have we got on the show? I'm prepared for anything that comes my way tomorrow, Mr. McCarty. Yeah, as you should, my friend. Uh, You're a veteran now. You know exactly um, what you're dealing with. Um, what we are talking about is the uh, Saturday session uh, for which Ben produces. Uh, I co-host alongside Grant Elliott 
Uh, that is from 10am tomorrow morning. I think we're catching up with Hamish Bennett to talk some cricket. We're going to... Um, Peter Miskimmon, former Sport New Zealand boss, and he was a hockey player for New Zealand for, what, over 150-odd tests? Really interesting career as a player and then an administrator. He's part of our Saturday session Legends segment. Um, and there'll be a whole lot of bollocks in between. Hope you've enjoyed today. Enjoy the remainder of your Matariki. Mark Watson is coming up next here on SCNZ. My huge thanks to Ben Francis. Take it easy, everyone. I'll catch you tomorrow morning from 10 a.m. That's up. Bye-bye. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30 a.m. for a limited time only.